0: This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. As we launch into hour number one of the program, you bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us again. That's freetalklive.com. Start things out with an uh, interesting little comparison piece. It's one we've talked about before, but uh, Bill Walker from com lays it out so well. The difference between computers and healthcare. Uh, and By the way, the author, as I understand it, has moved to New Hampshire, or is moving, as part of the Free State Project, interestingly enough. Actually got, we actually have two Bill Walkers now in the Free State Project, strangely enough, as an aside. We go on. Uh, computers work. We complain about them, but that's because most of the time they work so fast that we don't even notice them in the background, and they get cheaper by the second. They get cheaper so fast we can see the prices of memory and processor speed falling, even without adjusting for inflation. Healthcare, on the other hand, gets more expensive all the time, even for techniques that were invented decades ago. Computers get twice as fast every two years, but technology for carbon-based organisms improves at a snail's pace. Why? Well, biology isn't at all that complex. Computers, after all, our cells only have the equivalent of about 2.8 gigabytes of very slow DNA memory storage. The viruses that kill us often get by with 12 kilobytes. Your cell phone has more memory than most pathogens, and cell phone design mutates more over the course of a year than the flu. Now, here's a thought experiment. The Federal Data Administration. Let's put medical research and biotech under the federal computer regulatory uh, agencies. Oh, that's right. There aren't any. Meanwhile, let's see how Steve Jobs and Bill Gates would fare under the FDA. Yes, that's right. The FDA, the Federal Data Administration. (laughs) Every processor, peripheral, program, printer, and power cord will now need FDA approval. Now this will take about 19 years of trials on lab rats and human nerd volunteers at an average cost of 802 million dollars per item. Now that's according 802 million
1: dollars per thing that goes through the FDA.
0: Yeah, that's according wow. to a Tufts University study on drug approval from back in 2001. The time and cost is probably less than twice that now, right? No. No,
1: it's probably it's probably uh, at least as long and certainly
0: costs more. I had no idea it was 19 years. I thought it was a uh, j- just a decade. I thought it was shorter than that. Anyway, well, any, you know,
1: every time you think that the government can't sink any lower, exactly, as far as performance goes.
0: Now, any change of any kind to any chip, peripheral, or line of code will, of course, require a complete reapproval. And what about those guys who run the computer industry? They're dropouts. Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Larry Ellison, the whole industry is dominated by billionaire dropouts. How have we gotten along so long without credentialed professionals? To make the computer industry run like the healthcare industry, state licensing boards will require American Mainframe Association, AMA, Membership for All Mm -hmm. Computer Professionals. Every programmer will have to pass a four-year pre-mainframe undergraduate degree, four years of mainframe school, then internships, residencies, and so on, until they're gray enough to program responsibly, or die of old age. Now, when you have a computing need, you'll have to go to one of these AMA professionals and sit in a cold waiting room full of computer viruses. Then you'll receive a prescription to receive FDA-approved hardware and software within the prescribing and cost regulations of an HMO. See below. The IRS will make buying computers tax-deductible for employers, but not for you. Employees will be forced to buy computers through hardware maintenance organizations, HMOs run by their employers. To lose your job will mean to lose your computer, your ISP, and your primary care AMA programmer. See, everybody has a right to computer access in this world that we're talking about. Uh, The Data Enforcement Agency, DEA, will also combat the smuggling of illegal data processing paraphernalia, such as that used in so-called video games or iPods. The DEA will also have the responsibility of ensuring that no unapproved data crosses our borders. And there would be the National Institute of Hardware, the NIH, which would pour billions into the academic study of advanced vacuum tube designs. (laughs) Okay, so no one would really be stupid enough to try to run the computer industry like this. We love our computers too much, so we don't let government regulate them. We leave our uh, computers to the free market, even though they control nuclear weapons, air traffic control, our cars' anti-lock brakes, and lots of other stuff that's more immediately dangerous to our health than medicine. Now, the free market isn't perfect, but it's constantly driven to improve. With all its imperfections, freedom is still safer than stagnation. Now, most people can see that the market works best for computers, there are a few calls for nationalization of Apple or Intel. But when it comes to healthcare, it's just assumed that only government can provide safety, in spite of its record of both approving dangerous drugs and stalling valuable therapies. Of course, we need impartial testing of drugs and medical protocols, but do we really think that we get that under the current system? is the FDA somehow exempt from the law that every regulatory agency is captured it's by absolute, the industry it
1: regulates? It's it's silly to think that we would. I
0: mean, if if for a ma- for a moment
1: just imagine that that we in fact w- uh didn't have the government out here looking for us, it was just one company that tested all of the uh you know medicines that we were going to uh put in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Well, wouldn't you think that that one company would charge significantly more than they than if they had competition? And that if they managed to get corrupted, that that corruption would
0: rise all the way to the top, wouldn't it? Well, at least with that one company example, Mark, at least in that instance, that company wouldn't have the, uh, the, the coercive force mechanism the government does. So businesses wouldn't have to go and use their services if they didn't want to.
1: That much is true. Um, you can you can still uh, treat yourself through certain types of herbal medicines without the FDA getting involved, although they'd like to get involved there, too.
0: Just saying that if, in the event that it was a company that was the monopoly as opposed to the government, and if it was a market monopoly, uh, then things would be a little bit different because then you could have just unregulated treatments coming out without the company's permission because the company couldn't stop it. The government can, as the government has troops at its disposal. Men who are dressed in black that are willing to come into your house or place of business uh, at the drop of a hat and destroy your livelihood. And, and seem to be uh, you know relish the idea of doing just that. But yes, you're right. It would certainly be inefficient and it would be uh, terrible if it was just one company. Uh, and that's what we have with the government. It's one organization offering these services. All right. So uh, he continues. He says, I'd feel a lot better if the next Celebrex or Thalidomide were also going to be tested by competing companies and nonprofits instead of est- essentially by the prospective manufacturer under the supervision of the FDA. Maybe underwriters laboratories, the AMA, a few universities, etc., could expand the, uh, into the job. In any case, if even if you think the FDA is exempt from the evolutionary laws that govern bureaucrats, there is no advantage to preventing competition. If some people wish to use only the FDA approval system, well, fine. That shouldn't restrict anyone else with an incurable disease from using a medicine approved by the AMA, the uh, the Underwriters Laboratories, or the Mayo Clinic. Any group should be allowed to make lists of approved drugs and protocols, and patients and doctors should be allowed to choose. The FDA and the patient office have created a medical system that's driven by drug companies. Now, do drug companies have all the right incentives to find the downsides of their patented product pipelines? Don't think they do. No. I'm not at all an anti drug company. They do good work, but wouldn't medical systems driven by, say, life insurance companies or hospital chains or academic research each have their own advantages? Again, competition is the key to progress. Then there's biological terrorism. If the survival of our nation depends on the speed at which we develop new cures for artificially engineered viruses, do we want to bet on our current system of government agencies and committees or on I the market?
1: I don't know. I know the marketplace can respond quickly. I I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm also know that the government cannot respond quickly. The FDA, please. The Center for Disease Control, please. These people are not going to save
0: you. They're nope. dangerous
2: to us and all our way gonna, of life.
0: All they're going to do is hold the treatments
2: back. Well, and it's not just terrorism. I mean, it it could be a naturally occurring disease. I know there was a a big bird flu scare that turned out to be nothing, but what if it had been as bad as some people were predicting?
0: If If they managed to even have a cure, it would end up being rationed. The government would probably seize all of it and uh, ration it out, only giving it to its precious bureaucrats and their families first.
2: Right, and uh, under the current system, the the private enterprises, the pharmaceutical companies, aren't used to moving at a rapid pace. If the government were to go away, they would probably quickly adjust to a much quicker R&D They'd have to time. kick into high gear. Right, but under the current paradigm, they're used to taking 10 to 20 years to get a drug developed and approved. They're not going to be equipped to deal quickly with, with an outbreak of disease that has to be dealt with Next month or it's, next year.
0: It's amazing to think that we're living essentially in 1987 as far as what p- potentially drugs could be coming out here.
1: Yeah, considering it's 19 years and um, a lag, absolutely More on the way.
0: You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. Bring up anything. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, including the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens of ladies have taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. So, head on over to shrine.freetalklive, uh, shrine.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. That again is shrine.freetalklive.com. Now, do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections early out billing, and they purchase charged off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. That's, again, SACL's CAI. So, just a few more thoughts on uh, Bill Walker's comparison at com between the computer business, uh, the computer industry, and the amount of freedom that they have to innovate, uh, to develop, to essentially put out, Whatever products or services they want to, right. without and, having to go ask the government first, and succeed or
1: fail as the public would like them to do. Sure, and as there've they, been some pretty colossal failures out and, there. And the point that they made um, is is very strong. When you think about the computers that are in our cars that are running our braking systems in our cars, uh, you know that are that are uh, controlling all kinds of our utilities and things like that. Yeah, uh, the, the computers that run fire detection systems at the place where we work. My God, computers are keeping us safer than um, medicine ever could. Well, well maybe,
2: maybe. Well, certainly
0: they're they're doing their part.
2: And and computers can I mean obviously they were contracted by government, but private enterprise built the computers that control the nuclear weapons. I mean I don't see sure. what what's a m- more potential danger than having a, a computer go haywire that's that's in charge of the launch codes. Right.
0: So it was a great
2: juxtaposition
0: looking at uh, you know computers and how effective uh, the business is there versus healthcare, which is so slow and just so plodding in comparison. And it's nothing innate to the healthcare industry. It's not that you know this is the way it has to be with healthcare. It doesn't have to be that way. Healthcare could be like the computing industry. It could be that innovative. It could be that competitive. It could be that cheap. But because of all this government involvement. Because of these different organizations that have sprung up over the years to supposedly keep us safe, because of all that nonsense, we have to suffer, many of us, uh, many people in this country, suffer as they uh, wither away under some awful disease that they could have some sort of test medication for, but they aren't allowed to because of the FDA. Apparently it takes 19 years to get through the FDA. And almost a billion dollars in approval fees. So people out there suffer while they wait for these approvals. Sometimes they they never get them. Uh, And so there are thousands and thousands of Americans who are dying as a result of the FDA. The FDA isn't keeping you safe. It's killing people who are waiting for treatment. And it's also killing competition in that if these companies had to actually work in the open marketplace and submit their stuff to third-party certifiers, and he gives the example of Underwriters Laboratories... In case you don't know who that is, go look at the underside of your toaster. See the UL logo? You've seen the logo before. Maybe you didn't know what they did. It's a private company. No government money goes to this organization. It's a private company that certifies the safety of various different electronic devices Mm -hmm. and machines. And that's – it's Underwriters Laboratories is responsible – and their, their reputation is on the line when Black & Decker sends them a toaster, a new model of toaster that they want to put out on the marketplace. First of all, number one, Underwriters Laboratories has a very quick turnaround. It's in and it's out, probably within a matter of weeks. Yeah, because there's, you know, they know that somebody could come along and offer the service better than them. In fact, ETL is that company. That's one of the other major competitors. You might have seen the ETL logo. I don't really uh, recall having seen it, but I believe you. It's out there. I have seen it. Um and so there are co- uh, competition out there. But anyway, Underwriters Laboratory is going to turn around the product. They're going to either approve it or they're going to not approve it. Now, if it doesn't get approval, that doesn't stop the company from selling it. They could go and, you know, get a flea market table and start selling these uh these toasters. But they're not going to be able to sell it in many other places besides the flea market table or maybe at big lots. Walmart certainly isn't going to carry it. No way. There's no way Walmart or Target or Kmart or any of the the major retailers are going to consider. It may be the hottest, sexiest toaster that's ever been designed. It may look so sleek and have so many different functions. But if it doesn't have that UL certification, it's as good as done for mass marketing. So that's one of the ways that the marketplace keeps us all safe. It keeps us from being able to uh, start the toaster, walk away, have, a, you know, have, a, have an internal arc happen, catch some curtains on fire, for instance, and uh, burn your house down. Yeah, It's because of the private people operating in the marketplace in search of a profit is why these devices are so safe. And it's all done voluntarily. All done because that's what they know people want. They want to know the products they're buying. Companies like Walmart and Target, they want people to know that that they're safe buying products from their shelves. And so they have all these requirements. Last night, uh, Gardner told us that the, uh, what was it, Walmart? Yeah, Walmart has new regulations, internal business code that they have that says uh, that toy manufacturers have to pass a set of standards that shows that they're testing their products for lead. That that you know toys, for instance, that shows that their toys are safe for kids. Walmart did that on their own there 's no pressure from the feds the feds didn 't threaten, and they didn't say "You better do this, or else we 're going to no, they just did it because they felt it would get them some extra customers through their door. Can you imagine that
1: uh, I absolutely can. I just think that uh, many people couldn 't. <laughs>
0: Couldn't imagine that companies would look yeah, out like, for them. Because you know, well, they, they, you know, they've been told maybe, they're evil. Yeah,
1: c- companies are evil. Walmart in particular is evil. Um, but, you know, it doesn't really matter whether you think that Walmart is a greedy corporation or not, or or the most benevolent thing to ever hit the planet, and I'm not sure that anyone thinks that, except maybe you, Ian. Um, but I don't th- I know what that means, Mark.
0: <laughs> the, um, the, they do a good job at what they do. There I you go. have my disagreements with them.
1: And all that disagreement it is is about porn. The um, <laughs> that, that's it. It's your only disagreement no, with Walmart. It's,
0: it's about the family regulation. They you know they censor their albums, for instance.
1: Don't like that. Okay, well that's pretty close to porn. The um, <laughs> anyway, it, it doesn't matter what you think. It's Walmart's desire, their greed to mm-hmm. get, get every one of your consuming dollars, which you're free to give them or Target or the mom and pop place down the road, whatever. Well, that's the way they know that the way to get those dollars is by providing you with services like that.
0: Yeah, and well one of the decisions decisions they have made is that uh censoring their albums will get them more dollars than it won't. And that their their family the family uh the mother, you know, the the major buying power in any family in America is far more important to them than the single dude that might want to have curse words in his albums. So, uh, and it and also doesn't prevent me from shopping there. So they, they win and win, I guess, yeah. with that policy. 800-259-9231. If you want to comment on this, so his thought experiment, Bill Walker's thought experiment of this federal data administration really, I think, should sink home for people. Can you imagine what it would be like if in 1987 they started this FDA and what computing would be like today? If, if you had to get approval for all new hardware and software that was released from the federal government, even if it wasn't 19 years, even if it was just five years, just the idea that everything would have to pass through the hands of the feds first. But I'm, I'm just trying to remember what computers must have been like in '87,
1: and they were they drawing were awful. Pic, Drawing pictures with X's back then. Remember the printers, yeah. thought matrix printers. You know, they would yeah. they would draw pictures with just like using X's. and
0: It was stuff. terrible. Graphic user interfaces were barely available. It was awful, and it wouldn't be that different today because that's what the government does. It slows everything down and makes it worse and more expensive. More on the way. You take control. This is Free Talk Live.
2: Scientists have discovered a human hormone that increases people's trust in each other, oxytocin. And for the first time with Liquid Trust, you can harness this power.
3: Buy Liquid Trust now at 800-507-3718 or liquidtrustspray.com Use code FTL to get free shipping. This is
0: Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll free, 800 259 9231. SACL CAI toll free line. Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Uh, again, that is freetalklive.com. Those features include the bulletin board system, over 300,000 posts, lots to talk about, serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all. At BBS. .freetalklive.com uh talking about this concept little thought experiment called the federal data administration what if the people in the computer world had to put all their information all their uh products all the services they wanted to offer all the software they wanted to to sell the hardware all of that stuff what if it all had to go through a federal regulatory board how awful would that be how terrible would uh the development process become for for computer software well, When you start thinking about uh, the
1: time lags, apparently, for the FDA, and this is the claim that uh, the author made. Like you, I thought that it was more like 10 years to go through the FDA processing. He
0: cites the Tufts University study on drug approval in 2001.
1: Which says 19 years, which means that some drugs are in longer than that. Now, you know, go ahead and say 10 years. But imagine uh, if we currently had, if if you were bound by the constrictions of the technology from 1998, now yuck Uh, you know it was uh, computers weren't weren't much back then
0: they were better than they were in 1988 that's true Uh, that's for sure but i mean we see so many revolutionary changes in technology in in such a short period of time as he was pointing out i i don't know if it's moore's law there's there's some law that says that technology and data capacity and all that will roughly double in its ability in in a two-year time and that's essentially what what's going on here uh, no, it's not Moore's Law. It's something else. I'm sure someone will correct me. But uh, nonetheless, that would be way, way, way slowed down. It would be like once every 200 years uh, if the federal government was regulating all this. And let's just say for a moment that the federal government decided to step in after the advent of the Internet. That's when they realized that this was too dangerous. Now there's this Internet thing out there and information starting to pass between people and, whoa, whoa. We can't have this. I mean, information. People could get
1: bad information. Right. They could make decisions based on that bad information that could uh, harm them physically or, um, you know, cause them stress in their life. They could decide to get a home loan that uh, would be bad for them based on that information.
0: I apologize. I'm being corrected. It is Moore's Law, but originally it was 18 months for the technology to double. Now it's down to a year. Yeah, it's going faster and faster. Right and as uh, as the uh, the nanotechnology comes out, it'll, it'll speed up even even quicker once the computers are able to program themselves. Uh, so my question here is what would the response have been? Let's say the federal government created this federal data administration After toward- the
1: computers can can, um, can uh, program themselves. when does Skynet go online? That's a good question
0: toward the end of the 90s, uh, which is why I said last night, Mark we need to get the government the hell out of here before we have that kind of advancement. Because having government and its evil people in charge of uh, such wonderful technology could only result in terribly uh, terribly destructive things. But what if they had implemented this Federal Data Administration in the late 90s after the uh, computer, you know, the Internet started to get popular. And then uh, some media company came to the, the FDA, the Federal Data Administration, and said, look, we've got an idea for what we want to call a social networking site. Where people of all ages could go and create a profile for themselves put up some pictures, talk about themselves, you know, what they like, what they don't like. And, uh, you know, they could contact other people with similar interests. They could send messages back and forth. They could search for uh, friends, old friends. That just friends. wouldn't go anywhere. <laughs> well, right. The uh, Of course, it would have to go through the approval process, which if you look at the way the FCC does their I, – I guess the FDA does similar things where they allow people to send in testimony uh, for or against the idea, for instance – You know that sort of a website would get all kinds of people scared. Whoa, we can't have people contacting one another and sharing pictures. They might post pictures of themselves drinking, or they might uh, encounter child predators, for instance, online, and it would just be just axed. The whole concept of social networking would be just shut down. The federal government would not allow it because our children, Mark, our children, Nick. What about the children?
2: Well, what about the children? It turns out that, um, and this has been discussed on Free Talk Live before, um, that the fears um, about social networking sites are overblown. This from the AP. Um, UNH has done a study, um, and it says that social networking sites like MySpace and Facebook do not appear to increase the risk of becoming the victim of an online predator, a study released Monday suggests. According to the research, Internet offenders often work to foster trusting online relationships with teens before luring them into what the teens might see as a romantic or sexual adventure. However, the study found predators rarely pose as other children or stalk or abduct their victims. The things that we hear and fear and the things that actually occur may not be the same, said Janice Wolock. Um, She was the lead author of the study. Um, The risk of online sexual predators um, has been a topic um, from the show Dateline, NBC, The Catch a Predator, to a recent agreement by MySpace with state governments to take steps to protect youngsters from perpetrators of such crime. So it appears that the agreements and the pressure that was put on MySpace, it was completely unnecessary. Hmm. Um, but a surprising finding was that social networking activity did not appear to increase risk. Rather, the researchers found that risk tends to climb when teens chat to strangers about, about online about sex, by instant message, email, or chat rooms. How do they find these strangers? Chat they rooms. just bump into them in chat rooms. Right. Um, if
0: you go into a chat room, you could run into anybody. I, it,
1: I, gosh, I don't know. Chat rooms seem so 1998 to me. I, I, I know that we have a chat room for the, for Free Talk Live, and... I guess I'm interested in that chat room, so I go in there. But other than that chat room, I can't tell you the last time I've been in one. Well, that's a
2: BBS. That's not live chat. You... We we
0: have a chat room too. We have a chat room for the amplifiers.
2: Oh, true. Um, I remember when I was a teenager, I was on chat rooms quite a bit. So, but, but, I think but, but, it's... and when was that? 1998? Uh, early 2000s. They yeah, were but bigger back then. He's not a teenager then. now.
0: It's not as interesting if you're an adult with things to do in life. I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. Do, do
1: people chat? Please send me emails. Let me know. Do people chat anymore?
2: Yes, Mark. They do. Hardly <laughs> imagine. I am actually a teenager for the next two hours. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Tomorrow but... is my birthday. Oh, it's your birthday tomorrow. Well, it excellent. Is. Happy advanced birthday.
1: <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Ian. There, now Now we've got your full name on the radio. We've got your uh, <laughs> <laughs> birthday. Could you give your social security number while you're at it?
0: <laughs> Mark, it was your birthday over the weekend, so it's like uh, Free Talk Live host birthday week. That's, that's great. That's great. All right, go ahead with a story.
2: Um, (laughs) Most often, victims know they're communicating with adults. According to the study, internet predators posed as teens in only 5% of the crimes analyzed. Hmm. Many people in these cases feel that they're in love, Wollock said. When these romances go wrong, as they inevitably do, we want young people to understand the adults in these cases are sex offenders who are exploiting very young, inexperienced teenagers. Well, you, they might have known that going into it. Um, researchers administered telephone interviews. I don't think that's
1: information that uh, likely a sexual predator uh, just gives out. Oh, by the way, i got to tell you about this rape charge I had back in. Uh,
2: well, they're in chatting. No, the teenagers <laughs> are chatting with adults about sex in chat rooms and then meeting with them. I just don't. And the study kind of alludes to it, the fact that the teenagers know they're talking to adults mm-hmm. about meeting up, but they don't actually come out and say that. Um Researchers well, a th- lot of
1: teenagers. I, I mean, you know, it seems to me uh, obvious. And if you don't know this, if this is news to you, it's true. Teenagers want to date older people, um, and it, this is especially true for girls. I haven't dated many guys; I couldn't tell you. But I would think that, uh, you know, that most of the sexual predators out there are male, just a guess. And just uh, the ones that get caught. And I would think that teenage boys probably want to date. Older guys simply because they make money and have nicer cars and and things like that. Not all of them. Not every time. Sure. Just like every teenage girl doesn't want to date, um, you know,
0: uh, an older guy either. But uh, But he's got the experience and the money and the car and all that. Yeah, sure.
1: I don't think experience... I don't know what experience means much to them. I don't think they think about that, but... I don't know what I you did what
2: I did when I was in the chat rooms. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, researchers administer telephone interviews of 3,000 Internet users. You were looking for
1: experienced uh, sex offenders in the
2: chat rooms? Is uh, that what you're if there were female <laughs> sex offenders, sure. <laughs> And they were good looking. Um, <laughs> ages 10 to 17. And they used 612 interviews with law enforcement officials. Wait, wait, wait. Slow down a second.
0: They interviewed 3,000 teenagers, 10
2: to 17? Right. And they used 612 interviews with law enforcement officials. Data was collected between the years 2000 and 2005. So this, this did go back a little bit to when chat rooms were bigger. Um, but basically. Um, a report published in The American um, Psychologist um, says we have to talk to our children about, warn our children just about this. It's it's
0: Absolutely. And we can give you some tips here in a moment. Also, want to hear from you if you've had an experience maybe chatting with some creepy dude or something like that online. You want to tell us what your Internet uh, interaction has been with strange people, especially when it comes to chat rooms, 800-259-9231. <laughs> This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. The Sakel CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. If you'd like the show and to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping at the Free Talk Live store. Just go to store.freetalklive.com. Get your hands on all kinds of great Free Talk Live branded merchandise, from T-shirts to hats to hoodies to DVD classic archive collector sets. Get all the details and place your order at store.freetalklive.com. We're talking about the Internet and whether or not it's as dangerous as, or specifically, I guess, social networking websites. Whether or not social networking websites are as dangerous as the press and the government might have you believe. And, uh, you know, we see the stories from time to time. Uh, what was the recent one? 13 year old girl runs off with somebody she met on MySpace, disappears. I, I think that's what the story was, or some amalgamation of uh, those elements. Kids uh, encountering scary, scary adults on uh, MySpace, meeting them, getting molested, and. Raped, I instance. entirely
1: agree with the the assertion that the, the, the social n- networking sites aren't as dangerous as we are meant to believe. But I think the world isn't as dangerous as we are meant to believe. Sure. The government um you know, it, 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 the government benefits from fear. It is the organization with the monopoly uh, privilege as far as force goes. So therefore, they are the ones to protect you. Is that, that they have? That's the PR, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So they're out there to protect you. Who needs protecting but people that are scared? um, You know, fear is good for the government. It's good for making jobs for bureaucrats and busy work and all that other crap. And the press um, sort of operates by two axioms. Uh, Bad news sells a heck of a lot better than good news, right? Right mm mm-hmm. and um unusual news is better than usual news, like man bites dog is That's what news. makes it news dog unusual. bites man is not right right, so when you take uh, bad and unusual and put them together, what do you have? You've got sex offenders on the internet preying on kids, certainly right. it happens, so therefore you've got the press uh, you know is is motivated to bring fear the government's motivated to bring fear and this this works you know it works together yeah um and so and it never
0: stops i mean the government will never allow that fear to go away they'll implement a program and hire some bureaucrats on for instance just look to the airports uh for an example the fear is never going to go away the government's never going to announce tomorrow you can you will not see george bush get up on a podium and say well America, that's it. Terrorism's all done. Go back to your lives. No, they absolutely wouldn't. You know. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. I'm renting uh, out my, uh,
1: I'm renting out a property that I have, and um, I was talking to the the gentleman who, who proposes to uh to rent it and he was taught talk- he has three little girls and he's mm-hmm. con- very concerned with those little girls going outside and being unattended. Mm. And I, I, I understand he's been told all along that it's a da- it's a dangerous world out there. They they you let right. a little you let a little kid run around outside and you take your eyes off him for one moment and somebody's gonna come snatch him up, somebody in a van right. with some candy. And a little puppy. You <laughs> just like that. Boom. And you you saw Oprah out there on the play. She was, you know, this is how easy it is to pick up a kid and you know, had some guy who was pretending to be a perv picking up kids. Yeah. And so they, they foster these uh, feelings of fear and to the point that now we have an epidemic of obesity. I would say that our epidemic of obesity amongst our kids has less to do with food and, um, and more to do with the fear that we have pro- fostered in our children.
0: Maybe it's a bit of both.
1: They had food when I was a kid, and kids weren't, um, you know, there wasn't an epidemic of fat kids.
0: Okay. That's a good point. There
1: were uh, 50 kids in my class from kindergarten through eighth grade, and uh, two of them um, were overweight. Interesting
0: observations. Uh, And, of course, uh, as you were saying, Mark, the threat isn't going to go away. So when it comes to this Internet thing, uh, the government is already getting involved with MySpace on some level. They've come to some sort of voluntary agreement Uh, But when it comes to that, the government's not going to just say, okay, parents, everything's safe now, the coast is clear. No, it's going to need more and more government oversight over time. They're going to eventually, who knows, maybe they will use this as the excuse to jump into regulating more websites, uh, to having some sort of government oversight board when it comes to these things. I mean, it would would make parents feel safer if mommy governments out there approving the websites. And so many of the people in government, um,
1: you know, they want to do the right thing. They they and they believe that they are the best organization for this.
0: Now, Nick, was there more to this particular story? Um,
2: there was just a little bit more to finish up. Um, about sixty-three percent of parents, um, were uncomfortable with their children participating in online communities, according to a study by the <laughs> wow. University of Southern California, um, which. Which is a significant number. I wonder what the
0: breakdown would be between uh, moms versus
2: dads. I'd be interested to see that. It doesn't mention it here. Um, What
1: was the the question again? They they were either participating. They were 63% concerned about their kids' participation.
2: Yeah, they were uncomfortable with their children participating in online communities.
1: To some extent, uh, just the question sounds loaded. Are you concerned about your child participating in uh, online communities like MySpace? Uh, you know i mean you well, hear it in the news and it's well, no i'm not concerned there could there could be some there could be some um <laughs> I let it be glass too I, you know it just does, it it sounds like a loaded question to
2: me right there could be some skewing cuz it says another recent study um showed that 53% of adults and it says adults not parents um thought online predators were a threat out oh, to the children so yeah so mm. 53% when they phrase it a little differently but it's a significant percentage either way i would yeah. think um And basically what they suggest is you just have to talk to your children about sexual matters, which most adults find very uncomfortable things to do. Yes, they they just don't do it. And
0: I think it's a huge problem.
2: Right. uh, So basically you're better off talking to your children about the potential dangers and about the potential for there to be sex offenders than to just ban them from MySpace because MySpace or any. It's not the most dangerous place they're going to be on the internet, and no. and I mean, frankly, there are real world world threats too. If you're concerned about it, you, don't you want them? You can't just keep them off the internet and assume they won't run into a sex offender in real life. Yeah, you, the mall, for instance. Right. So talk to them about it.
0: Well, communication between uh, parents and young people in America really is lacking, sorely lacking, and uh, having having parents. Being upfront and honest with kids about sex is a, a huge pet peeve of mine. I wish it uh, I wish it had happened for me I, uh, I I know a lot of people out there. their parents never said word one to them uh, about sex and I think and, and meeting people and in online interaction and I think it's really unfortunate because if they're not learning it from you. Who are they going to learn it
2: from? Uh, Well, most parents leave it up to the school now. And I think that's a big part of why parents don't do the talk. (laughs) Because, you know, there was a time when if you didn't tell your kids about it at some point, they'd learn it from a friend or whoever. But now it's kind of assumed that, oh, well, the school will teach sex ed. In most places, they teach some kind of sex ed. But they don't address issues like this. They really don't do a very good job. I went through it, and it didn't really even... Cover all of the basics
0: there's it, a difference between uh, learning about the penis and the vagina right and, the mechanics and learning of about sex. right and learning about you know how to meet people safely and interact, social interaction uh, and you know all the things that surround sex
1: yep spreading diseases um, yeah. you know wh- why you would want to have sex with uh, you know one partner uh, you know monogamy uh, well plus we're
0: we're now going down a road where many government uh, schools are taking federal money. And that means that they have to teach abstinence, which is just basically what you get at home from parents who don't want to talk about sex. Don't do it. Just say no. And we know what happens uh, to kids when you tell them just say no. I, uh, they want to find I, out what they're missing.
1: Right. I got at home. What I got was the mechanics. Um, you know, here's a book. If you have any questions, really, talk they to give you a book. Uh, uh, that's yeah, good. a book. You know, th- this is what a. I I don't even remember. Yeah, it was line drawings of uh, sexual organs as opposed to uh, (laughs) photographs. There were certainly babies, and and it was talked a great deal about babies. But
0: I don't care about babies.
1: So there's some very (laughs) largely men don't care about babies anyway. There's some
0: very (laughs) simple things that uh, that need to be that need to be considered if you're going to be meeting people online, and this is for adults and young people alike. Uh, I love giving out uh, this tip. I think it's a good one. I know that you might have better ones because I know I haven't done much of this. Uh, but meet the person in public. You know, if you're concerned about who you're meeting, you're not sure if they are who they say they are. Even if you think you know who they are, you could be wrong if you've never met them before. Yeah. So meet that individual at a very public place, like the food court of the the local mall, where I, you're I, surrounded by people.
1: I like um the free talk live idea where you have uh you know the, the girls the the validated amplifiers the the, the validated shriners, um if if i think that that's a good idea to get a picture of somebody you know proving to you that in fact they are who they say they are
0: that's a good idea but it could still be fudged as some of our shriners have uh, you know been faked over the years where someone will find a a picture of a girl holding a piece of paper and then it, digitally wipe out what it says and put something else it on it
1: can there. be fudged but then you're eliminating a certain um, a large percentage of the population to fudge it, you have to have somebody who knows what they're doing in Photoshop or something. There's
0: more people that know that than you know you might imagine. Yeah, but what are the percentage,
1: percentages? I don't know. And then you have to look at uh, you know how many of the sex offenders out there, I would imagine. I don't know. I mean, it, it just eliminates a certain amount.
0: Plus, I think also, if you have that open uh, communicating relationship with your parents that we're, we're talking about here, then if you're talking with someone who's online and you've got an interest in them or they've uh, got an interest in you or vice versa then if you're talking with your parents and you're up front with your parents, then they should know about that. Yeah. They should be aware of who it is you're meeting. That way they can maybe ask you a few questions, maybe bring a few points to light that you might not have necessarily thought of, and they can they can help to make sure that you're being safe. They can take you to the mall, for instance, or you could take your uh, your teenager to the mall at the time when they're expected to meet this person. Right. A non-adversarial relationship with your parents, and at those way. times, I think it's, it's a good thing. Yep. Hour two's coming up. You take control of the airwaves. Cuba's looking at some changes.
1: It's time to pick a candidate, a serious candidate for president, and start moving forward. That candidate is George Phillies.
0: This is George Phillies, Libertarian for President. I approved of this message. Paid for by Phillies 2008. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves as we launch into hour number two. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there we give away, so enjoy those on us again. Freetalklive.com. Of course, big news out of uh, Cuba. I believe it was today or yesterday that uh, Fidel Castro has announced his resignation. Really? And he's, uh, as predicted, uh, going to hand it off to uh, his brother... Raul, I believe. Uh, But, of course, uh, the response from the U.S. federal government is about predictable. We don't care. We're not
1: going to drop any sanctions.
0: Right. According to the AP, Deputy Secretary of State John Negroponte said Tuesday the United States will not soon lift its embargo on Cuba, despite Fidel Castro's resignation. Asked by reporters at the State Department if Washington planned to change its Cuba policy now that Castro had uh, stepped down, Negroponte replied, I can't imagine that happening anytime soon, and declined further comment. The centerpiece of American policy toward Cuba has been the economic embargo, first instituted in limited form in 1960 and strengthened uh, when Castro persistently called the trade embargo criminal and claimed that its economic impact on the island ran well into the tens of billions of dollars. In Rwanda, President Bush expressed hope that the end of Fidel Castro's presidency will launch a transition to democracy in Cuba after nearly 50 years of ironclad communist rule. Long a target of U.S. criticism and uh, sanctions, the alien Castro, who's 81, announced that he would not accept a new term. Bush said, what does this mean for the people in Cuba? They're the ones who've suffered under Fidel Castro. They're the ones who were put in prison because of their beliefs. They're the ones who've been denied their right to live in a free society. Wait, Wait, whoa, slow down a second there, Bushy. Hold on now, wait. Free society. I guess we haven't really had that right either, right? I, I mean, if it were free, I would be able to buy some Cuban cigars. But it's not. I can't buy anything from c- people in Cuba. Whether they're offering the most valuable service or product, not a point. Because the U.S. government has prohibited me as this so-called free citizen from doing business with Cubans.
1: I believe that's true uh, with North Korea, too. And and it's probably, to some extent, uh, true with several other countries that I don't know about.
0: Uh, Bush goes on to blather about his trans, you know p- period of transition to democratic nonsense. Uh, Tom Casey, deputy spokes bureaucrat at the State Department, expressed hope for change in Cuba, but said the U.S. remains skeptical, saying that uh, we would hope the departure from the scene of Cuba's long-ruling dictator would allow for a democratic transition, blah, blah, blah. But he added that the United States is troubled by signs that Cuba's leadership envisions this as a transfer of authority and power from dictator to dictator light, from Fidel to Raul. Still, he said the Bush administration remains willing to help support the Cuban people in a true transition to democracy. Now, what does that mean? What is, exactly does that mean? They they want to support the Cuban people in a true transition to democracy. Is that like how they're supporting the Iraqi people in their transition to democracy? By blowing up their bridges and houses and cities
2: i think what he's trying i doubt he's trying to hint at an invasion uh i think what he's trying to hint at is we might drop the embargo and actually start talking and trading with cuba if they drop the whole communism thing but he's probably also kind of hoping to scare him a little bit and maybe make him think this is a time to switch
0: now it doesn't make sense though because uh china's communist and we do all um, kinds of business with with the chinese There's no embargo against China. So it's not about the communism,
2: is it? It is. Well, see, China went with a different system. China realized that Maoism and true communism wasn't working, and they decided to open up to basically market communism. They still had state-directed government businesses. Right. But they, they moved in a... They're basically a free market society. I mean, they have fewer consumer protections and regulation than we do in many respects. Um But Cuba didn't do that, and while I think we would be better off trading with Cuba for the last 40 or 50 years, um, and communism probably wouldn't have been able to hold on this long if we had, there's no guarantee that Cuba would have gone the way of China. They've been trading with Europe for years now, and that hasn't really opened them up to the market because Fidel was actually serious about keeping Cuba's businesses nationalized and Mm. communist.
0: Well, either way, being able to do business with people in uh, around the world in whatever country they are is one of the hallmarks of freedom. And it's clear that with this embargo, uh, we are not a free people. Uh, so, you know, what what exactly can they learn from us anyway? We're not free, so I don't know if it's necessarily something they should look to. Uh, Representative Viana ros Letinen, a Miami-area Republican. Well,
1: they do have one area of freedom that I suspect, uh, that I, I believe they have one area of freedom that we'd simply, um, that we enjoy and, and um, excuse me, they don't have an area of freedom that we do have. They have and some. That is the, what, what most people define freedom as is the freedom to leave. And I don't believe that everyone in Cuba has the freedom to leave. Probably right about that. Um, whereas in the United States, we do have the freedom to leave.
0: Says uh, one of the Republicans who was born in Havana said Castro's resignation was irrelevant because his regime had already done great harm to the suffering Cuban people. She says it matters nothing whether at all whether Fidel, Raul, or any other thug is named head of anything in Cuba. She said, "What the people want to, is freedom to vote in multi-party elections that are internationally supervised." You think that's what the people want, really? Maybe the people just want the thugs to go away. I don't know if they really want multi-party elections that are internationally supervised. That's what we want. I think it would be better
1: international elections. I think it would be better. Um, You know, in one thing I can say about democracy, uh, what's the Winston Churchill uh, comment? Is the democracy is the worst uh, system? except for all the others and um, yeah, yeah that's cuz he hadn't really considered things like freedom and liberty in in that uh, equation but democracy generally keeps the really bad bad guys out
0: of office the ones you know the the, the well,
1: it Hitlers, makes them have to act course. kind of
0: nice that's all yeah cuz uh, these guys are pretty bad in the United States government i mean they're bad but they have to pretend like they're not so bad yeah in order to get in uh, she says the communist machinery is enslaving them, so it doesn't matter who the thug of the moment will be. Senator Robert Menendez, who's also of Cuban descent, says Castro's resignation is not the cause for celebration that some would believe. Uh, it doesn't represent the replacement of totalitarianism with democracy, instead, it's the replacement of one dictator with another. The Coast Guard. And speaking of which, our election will be coming up this year. The Coast Guard, meanwhile, has not added any additional patrols in light of Castro's resignation. And, it's, they again, nothing's really changing here. And so it goes on. But the fact is the embargo is not going to be lifted. One dictator is transitioning power to his brother, uh, basically another dictator. And as long as that embargo is still on the people of Cuba, they're going to be cut off from, uh, from gaining a little bit of extra wealth that they could get if they were able to trade with us. I mean, it, they would probably mostly be confiscated by the commies, uh, by the, the government. But the, it wouldn't hurt. To send them a few extra bucks to
1: buy some cigars. The sick thing is, is uh, you know, we claim to be this uh, beacon of freedom and everything, but if if we can catch a Cuban out in the the water, the Coast Guard can catch them. Um, they'll take them back. Take them back. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah they actually have to touch U.S. soil, and um, I believe that the the I've heard things like the military at Guantanamo is being prepped to uh, stop stop a flood once uh, Raúl's in place. So, really, you know, I, I imagine that people will use uh, the transition period to try to get away. But I've heard Raul's worse than Castro. So
0: Really? I don't know. If you uh, know a little bit know. more than we know. do, maybe you've got some uh, friends uh, down in Cuba, you uh, know more about the situation, would love your insight at 800-259-9231. It's just sad. Uh, we're not a beacon of liberty. And it's the way Bush is talking here, just a, a couple more quotes from him, he says that, He wants there to be a transition to fair and free elections, uh, not these kind of staged elections that the Castro brothers try to foist off as true democracy. Well, we've seen some real questionable things about the United States elections in recent times. With the electronic voting machines, uh, the scam of the so-called sealed ballots here in New Hampshire, which were anything but sealed there have been example after example of very questionable
2: elections here in America. That's true, but you can actually bring that up, and you can actually question our leaders, whereas in Cuba, if you were, they wouldn't really you wouldn't get on the radio in Cuba. That's true. But if you said anything like this in Cuba, you would either be dead or in prison for about 25 years. So I think, you know... There's no doubt we have it better here. We have it better, and I think to people in Cuba, we are, I mean, relatively speaking, they would look at America as a free country. I mean, they can come here... That's true. They, you know, they, they won't be forced to stop practicing their religion, they won't be forced to pretend they like communism, and their property won't be taken from them in such a blatant and pervasive way. And he finally
0: finishes by saying the United States will help the people of Cuba realize the blessings of liberty. Well, maybe you could help them realize that by allowing them to trade with us. And if they were allowed to trade with uh, people from the United States, they'd be communicating with us maybe a little bit more. And uh, maybe they'd learn a thing or two about how what life is like here.
2: Yeah, Or you could, I mean, just allow Cuban-Americans in Miami to, not with government support, but I'm sure there's plenty of Cuban-Americans who would like to maybe go back there sometime Travel. and Well, go back there maybe kind of like the Bay of Pigs. There's a, the oh, Cubans in Miami are very militant anti-castroites and i understand why more on the way you can take control bring up anything it's free talk live
0: this is free talk live you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231 that is the sacral cai toll-free line 1-800-259-9231 join us online At freetalklive.com, the features there we give away, including live streams, broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version, both waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. By the way, it is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Dial in. Take control of the airwaves. How would you like to lose up to 25
1: pounds in just nine days without permanently changing your diet? Check out this amazing doctor-recommended product. Go to ftldiscount.com. You can read some real testimonials there. Find out how to order this this cleanse, ftldiscount.com. 1-800-259-9231
0: one 800 Shifting gears away from uh, totalitarian dictators in Cuba and the lack of freedom that we have here in America to a bit of a, a self-help article. You know, we like to bring these up from time to time because it's never too late to learn some of this stuff. In fact, Mark, your article today is entitled 20 Things That What? 20, well, Gosh. right when he coughs. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> I inhaled at the same time
1: and caused something to go down my throat. Okay, 20 things to know um, that I that I wish I had known when starting out life. And it's it, it, they seem to be pretty good. So I'm Yeah, and
0: these are uh, just, you know, in case you're halfway through your life at this point, uh, it's still lots of these things are things that maybe it's not too late to learn.
1: Well, likely, if you are um, halfway through your you life, probably figured
0: them, figured you, them out. you
1: probably know somebody who's starting theirs out. And uh, there's a lot of good advice in here. Number one, how to control impulse spending. Oh yeah, yeah. If this is big. If there's anything that's gotten me into um, trouble financially, it's impulse spending. Buying clothes when I don't need them. Buying gadgets because I got, I absolutely have to have them. Ordering stuff online because it's so easy buying that new shiny SUV because, well, because it's going to help me with women. <laughs> I'm not proud of any of that, and I've learned to uh, control my impulses at least a little better. Now, I give myself some time to breathe, I think, over my purchases. I see if I've got the money, think about whether it's a need or a want, and um, that would have been useful tool 15 years ago. And I have to agree, you know, it's from the big stuff to the little stuff, it matters, if you you know the little things add up to the big things they and, sure do, and the big things can really break you if you uh, if you if you think you need a new car, brand new car, it's they're twenty thousand dollars. People didn't Maybe you 30. Say,
0: Didn't you tell me recently you had the new car bug? You were salivating. I'm over. always
1: not a new car, but a, another car. Oh okay. I'm always buying cars. Um, I just I just seem to go through them. Um, and I I do want to get another one, but I probably won't be getting
2: one anytime soon. I just have one that operates too go, too well. So even if you have the money to spend, a new car is a terrible investment too. I mean, just m- money-wise, it's wise, never an it's, investment yeah, to buy right. a car. It just depreciates. Immediately, once you drive it off a lot.
1: Yeah, they're they're, they're bad thing. Even uh, used cars are bad investments. Uh, I'd,
0: I'd like to say, though, thank goodness for people who buy new cars. that <laughs> way there's used cars for everybody. Right. <laughs> so we can sit here and advocate, okay, you shouldn't buy new cars, but then there's somebody out there that has to buy them. So thank you to those of you who have the money and don't mind just blowing it on a brand new car. We really appreciate you being out there.
1: If you've ex- absolutely got to buy things, um, if you just have to be able to buy stuff, Buy gold and silver pieces, um, because at least they hold value, and right now they're going up, um, you know big, they're shiny yep yeah, they, they, it, it it's something to buy and to have, yeah, so impulse there you go.
0: buying is definitely something that people need to be conscious of. Uh, of course, the most obvious example of in uh, of an impulse buy situation is when you're at the grocery store or Walmart and you're at the cash register. all of those items that surround the cash register are impulse buy items. You know, the the idea is that wherever it is you're going to be, if you're going to be standing or sitting somewhere, this is how the, uh, for instance, the vending machine. Uh, business makes money. The candy machine operators make money. They need to be where people are. The idea is to put those machines, or in this case, to put these products where people are going to be killing some time. Mm -hmm. Because if somebody is killing a little bit of time, they're going to be idle. Their brain's going to be idle. They're going to be looking around for things to entertain their eyes with. And, uh, and that's when they're going to notice your product. And that's when they're going to think to themselves, yeah, I do need a lint roller or Mm. something like that. Or a piece of candy. That's what's often um, there right i I haven't like the uh, the beef turkey section at uh, at Walmart, but you have to be aware of what these things are so you can as he was saying, properly process them as you know as he was saying, want or need mm-hmm. uh, as, do you really need to get that uh, that pez candy pack or? I, think you need,
1: I think you need to have some entertainment sort of purchases in your life, but you need to sure. think about each of them, and for me it's the big ones i things like Cars and stuff like that that I, I need to really uh, you know keep an eye on. I, I used to get the bug with houses and cars all the time and and that's, mm. those are those those can be really big investments. You need to think about. I like the idea of thinking about them for a while.
2: Um, oh, do I want really want that car? Six months is what well, I give myself. Well, and to think and about think it. about the bills you already have to pay too. Mm-hmm. If you if you really want to buy that, you know, if it's a new TV, you know, especially with the bigger ticket stuff or a new gaming system, think about what you could do with that two hundred dollars or what you might need it for—that you know—that's a good way to kind of cool every dollar down. you spend today
1: is um, between five and ten dollars at retirement time. So that, that's the time you're going to need it. Yeah, absolutely. You, okay, won't, be to, uh, yeah. you won't be able to. Yeah, uh, you won't be able to make money then. You got to stay active. This is uh, uh, number two. tip number two. Yes, I was in track, cross country, and basketball in high school. Once I started college, the running and basketball began to slowly fade away—not right away. I played pickup basketball for a few years after high school. But even that went away until I became sedentary. Playing with my kids outdoors winded me, and I began mm. to get fat. I reversed that uh, trend, and now I'm very active, but I still try to burn the fat I gained in those uh, inactive years, which uh, FTLDiscount.com. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, how to plan finances. I always knew that I was uh, supposed to budget and track my spending when I became an adult. I was just too lazy to do it. They and don't I... teach you that. They don't teach you that in school. I think they might um go over it, uh, you know, in a cursory fashion, but they don't pound I it, get in, it.
0: They don't pound it into your head. They taught me how to write a check. That's all I learned in government high school. If you don't have parents that are teaching you financial uh, intelligence, then you won't pick it up from anywhere unless you happen to encounter someone that knows a thing or two and learn from them.
1: Yeah. I can't say that I budget or track my spending very well either, so I generally don't get much money. My wife takes care of it. Oh, all you now. let her take care of it. For yeah. You. And, you know, she's better at it than I am. Let's see. And I don't even have a good idea of how to do any of that stuff. I've uh, learned how to plan and how to stick to that plan. Sure, I deviate from my plan, but I've learned how to handle that, too. Maybe it's not a skill you can learn from book reading. you just got to practice it. Well, I hope I can teach it to my children before they go out on their own. And I think that's something valuable that parents can, can teach. And Finances, if parents can teach their kids about finances, they have a real leg up.
0: If yeah, I mean if you have financial intelligence, if you understand saving, if you understand in, investment, even if you understand just the the basics about money, uh and how compound interest works and all these, you know, real just basic things. You don't have to be an expert, but you just have to understand a little bit, you will be uh, like you said, a, a leg up on everybody else because many people are completely in the dark. Uh they go and they they spend their entire paychecks. Just the idea that most people don't even really hold on to the money that they that they bring in. And I understand the economy we're in discourages that mm-hmm. uh, in that the inflationary situation we live under. Yeah, it,
1: it's true. But the, the real key to wealth is not how much you make. It's how much you
0: spend. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely it. And we have a problem in this country where most people tend to spend their income level. Mm -hmm. So where whatever they've got coming in, that's what they're spending, if not more. In many cases, they'll expect that they're going to get a raise uh, coming up soon, and so they'll start spending more immediately. In plan for that reason, they'll say, so I'll just pay the, you know, the minimum payment or whatever. Well,
2: a, a lot of upper class people have debt problems because oh sure. they want to you know, seem even richer than they are. So they you know, buy the big house, finance the cars they can't afford every couple of years.
1: They say to save 10% of your income, and uh, I've learned a little, a little trick on that is uh, just don't spend $1 bills. 1-800-259-9231.
0: You can take control. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything. Toll free at 800-259-9231. Actually, I should let you know that... My board operator's telling me their phone system's broken right now, so if you're trying to call in, uh, you might not be successful.
1: Perhaps it's not Free Talk Live right now.
0: Well, the amp line's open, so for our amplifiers who want to uh, get interactive there, they can always uh, chime That's in. That's right, everybody. It's Mark Talk Live, and I've got some
1: things I want to tell
0: you. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. That web- uh, The website's working. You can go to freetalklive.com, get signed up for updates. Whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show, you'll know first. If you're on the updates list, go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use the code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. We continue with the 20 things, uh, the at least the guy who wrote the article, wishes he knew when he was starting out in life. And a lot of this stuff, it's never too late to learn, never too late to become conscious of uh, these things.
1: Uh, another good idea is having your will and living trust done. Um, yeah. So LegalZoom.com is a good way to do that, and uh, co- uh, FTL will save you ten bucks. There you go. So anyway, ten percent. Uh, and Now it's ten bucks, uh, and I um, changed that on the copy. You did? Yep. Shame on me. Yeah, I'm just uh, not noticing it. Okay. We uh, we had thought it was ten percent for a long time, and actually ten bucks in most cases is a better deal.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Great. Uh
1: huh. So yeah, the author goes on. Junk food will come to come back to bite you in the butt.
0: Yeah, your uh, childhood metabolism won't last forever in yeah. most cases.
1: Yeah, it just wasn't the sedentary lifestyle that got me fat. It was all the junk food, too. I would eat pizza and burgers and Twinkies and sugary cereal and desserts and donuts and, well, you get the picture. As someone who um, used to being able to eat whatever I wanted, never seemed like it would be a problem. Bad health was something to worry about when you got old. Well, my genes began to get too tight, and to my horror, I climbed several pant sizes and developed a gut that would not go away. I wish someone would show me an after picture when I was young and downing the big gulp sodas and uh, you know looking at it life from 37 i uh, i'm still wearing size 32 to 34 but it used to be a nice solid loose 32 mm-hmm. and you know it's you develop tastes for things when you're younger and it's difficult to get rid of those tastes i don't like to have meals and not drink a sugary soda with that meal so I have to forego those things. You have developed you purpose, purposefully, Ian, have developed the uh, habit of drinking water, and that's what you want to drink.
0: Yeah, I yeah. love it.
1: That's a that's a good thing to do, and and that's a lot of extra calories. Uh, when you're talking, I don't know how many sodas that the average person drinks in a day, but at 180, uh, you know, for a can it's 180, and uh, this bottle of Dr Pepper that I'm downing right now, 250 calories.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: And completely crazy calories.
0: Uh, I think the average person drinks quite a few sodas. I mean, the average soda drinker, at least, drinks uh, quite a few sodas every single day. I don't know what it is, but if you talk to people that drink soda, especially if you. Uh, I remember when I was working in retail at Kmart running the register, just watching people do their soda, you know, their weekly soda buying was, was pretty. Mind-boggling. Uh, in many cases, an entire shopping cart or a, a good chunk of the shopping cart loaded with 24-pack flats, uh, multiple two-liters. So there's some serious soda consumption that goes on out there in this country.
1: Now, um, apparently, they sell more water um, now in bottles than they do anything else. And That's good. Uh, well, it's good to drink water. But it's bad paying to buy um, water in 20 ounce bottles because you're generally buying it for a dollar fifty a uh, you know uh, you're paying for packaging. 75, li- 0.75 liters or whatever it is I don't you're, even know. you're
0: paying for packaging you're paying for marketing you're paying for shipping that water weight across the country uh, and so all of those costs get factored in if you're gonna if Plus you're gonna profit. start drinking water I mean I highly recommend one of those little tap attachy things the the pures or the Britas. Uh there's a Dupont's got one now. I have got the Dupont one and it's got like a 200 gallon filter in it or 200 yeah, it lasts for 200 gallons. Mm-hmm. I'm on like gallon number 19 and it's been 2 months. And
1: I'm I'm fine with those and everything if they get people to drink water. Uh but most places tap water if you can, you know, it it the taste might be a problem, but it as far as uh toxicity or anything like that, tap water's good for you. It's fine. So my recommendation is tap water period if you want to save money. But the little filter things are, you know, when you when you they start cost figuring a lot of out, They do not cost a lot of money. So
0: And it's a good way to start rather than jumping in and you know installing some really expensive whole house filtration system or going crazy yeah. like that.
1: Some places you need to have an RO system, but usually it's you know just a little if bit of you, overkill. If you
2: don't like tap water, you can also buy gallons of water for usually ninety nine cents. It's actually cheaper to buy a gallon than mm-hmm. than a single twenty ounce. Bottle of water most of the time. And then keep
1: the little bottles um, around so that you can refill them uh, with water. And there's no reason to buy name
2: brand water either. It's water.
0: (laughs) Yeah, water's water. In fact, I love the uh, the Penn & Teller BS episode about the, uh, I think it was actually, it wasn't about water per se. Maybe it was. Was there one about bottled water? I wouldn't be surprised. Being told there was. Uh, And yeah, they pretty much just show that in many cases, these bottled water companies are just bottling tap water. I mean, they're, they're putting it through a filter, but that's all it is. It's no it's essentially no different than attaching one of those filters to your sink and creating your own bottled water. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, switching from uh, sugary sodas or some other sugar-related beverage to uh, to water is a tremendous way to cut down on calories and increase your uh, your general health. And that's not to say that you shouldn't treat yourself. I mean, an occasional glass of fruit juice is certainly, it's got the same sugar content as soda, but it'll be a little bit better for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, if if you can get any if you can get rid of soda, that's a great thing to do. I personally i'd uh, like to dose myself with caffeine before the show because it makes me just ever so slightly more interesting. <laughs> anyway, uh on to number five. And uh yeah. This thing's really pointing a lot of fingers at me. Smoking is just dumb. I didn't start smoking until I was well well into my adult years. I wouldn't go in, um into why I started, but it didn't seem like a problem because I knew I could quit any time I wanted. <laughs> Or I thought I could at least until several years later. Yeah, um,
0: you may uh, be able to quit marijuana any time. It's not so easy with cigarettes. Well, yeah. you can quit any time until you actually try to stop
1: yeah. smoking. Until t- t- several years later, when I tried to give it a go and couldn't do it. Uh, five failed quits later, and realized with a horror that my addiction was stronger than I was.
0: Now, Nick, sure. did, didn't you try to quit recently?
2: Or was that someone else? Um, I sort of tried to cut back. I didn't really. You tried I, to I cut don't... back. How'd that work out for you? Didn't really. My, my smoking's pretty stable. Um, yeah. Yeah. What are you
0: packs a day? How many packs?
2: Um, it varies. Probably about nine. I thought we were talking about eight, stable here. Probably eight to twelve cigarettes a day. And was it's it twenty stable. in a pack? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. half a pack. You're below average. Y- yes. I I the average I is I
1: two. Packs. The, de- the definition of uh of, of an addiction is something that is chronic, both chronic and progressive. And uh, cigarettes right. have a tendency to be both chronic and, and progressive. progressive.
0: Meaning you keep smoking more and more. You go from 9 to 12 to Uh, It happened with
1: me in cigars.
0: It used to be one cigar
1: a day. Right now it's two.
0: It it really is just about two every day. Cigar at nap and cigar uh, when you go to sleep. Well, now
1: now I have to have the nap. Now the nap and the cigar are put together. I can't even go without the nap. Oh, my. Because because I'm addicted to the cigar. I need to have the cigar before. you, You understand?
0: I no I don't understand. I've never smoked uh tobacco except for one time when I was with this Italian dude who rolled up a joint with tobacco in it and i you know, I didn't really realize it's what that was what was what he was doing, but that's what they do in uh europe they they roll their marijuana with tobacco and uh, I took one hit of that joint and oh no thanks and I realized <laughs> immediately there was something else in there and uh Yuck!
1: And it, you know, quitting smoking is easier now than it ever has been. They've got lasers that will do it for you. Really? Um, yeah. They've got shots. Yeah. They've got the Nicorette gum. If you, you know, the you shot just,
0: worked for my old girlfriend. It you
1: you just, really did. It, it does work. It absolutely does. But work. you have to want to quit. You have to want to quit. So you know, come to the conclusion that you want to quit. It's not a situation um, where, like Nick is here, you know, thinking, Oh well, I'd like to cut down to where I was with five cigarettes a day. At one point, I liked my addiction better then. You you have to let go of the whole addiction mm-hmm. thing, and that's when it's going to work.
0: The, uh, let's see, the yeah, the shot thing um, was a little on the expensive side, but if you look at it from a, a re, if you really want to look at it from a cost perspective, it's more expensive to keep smoking, so. Over time, yeah. Right, it pays for itself. Yeah. It was do only like shot. 300
1: bucks. If you, come up with the uh, the desire in yourself to quit smoking and do the shot, because it absolutely will work for yeah. you. Number six, fund your retirement, son, and don't withdraw it. This piece of wisdom and probably all the ones above might seem blisteringly obvious, and they are. Don't think I didn't know
0: it when I was 18. I did. Sometimes you just have to be hit over the head with the obvious. Mm-hmm. You have to be told it, and you have to be reminded about it. It helps me to hear these things over and over again. Yep. Keep them top of mind. Keep them front burner. one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 259 9231 There's more to go here. As I understand it, the... Uh phone lines aren't working but i'll probably keep giving out the number out of habit (laughs) Uh, the amp line is available for those of you who are amplifiers as well if you want to comment on this 800-259-9231 what are some of the things you learned maybe later in life that you wish you had learned earlier on how much better off would you have been had you known these things 800-259-9231 this is free talk live Talk Live, your show, you take control of the airwaves, toll free, 800-259-9231. Well, that would be the number if our phones were working, but we don't. you never know. They might start working any moment, uh, so you'll want that number handy. Uh, by the way, it is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Uh, once again, freetalklive.com. Those features include the wiki with over 1,500 pages created by listeners like you. Uh, if you like the wiki, if you like the show, you like the website, then go and buy some stuff at amazon.freetalklive.com. Entering Amazon through that link will result in a percentage of your purchase going to benefit Freetalk Live. Now, I'm not suggesting you go to Amazon and impulse buy all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. In but fact, you need to have things. Well, it's a little little more difficult to impulse buy at a place like Amazon, in my opinion, because they they just can't put as many products in front of your eyes at the same time as you can have in front of you when you're standing at the checkout aisle at Walmart, for instance. Certainly, they have their wonderful little suggestion, uh, suggestion system, which the more things you look at, the more things you buy, Amazon learns what you like and will then make suggestions as to, well, you liked this, so you might like this. So that's one way that you might have an impulse buy at, at Amazon. But, uh, but either way, I think you're a little bit more safe when purchasing online because usually when you're purchasing online, you're going out specifically to get something that you need. And um, in many cases, many of the suggestions they're offering might be something that you um, – that you really should consider, as opposed to just being something completely unrelated, like if you're going to buy a camera, they'll suggest you buy a camera bag. You might get the camera and then later on realize, you know, you really could have that bag. bag, and now you'd have to pay shipping again, for instance. So uh, in some cases, it can be very helpful. Anyway, we love Amazon. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Start your shopping there. Free Talk Live gets a percentage. We're doing the 20 things uh, that you might have wished you'd known when starting out in life, or at least this author's uh, the article's author
1: did. Uh, before we go on, I'd like to... to um, make a distinction between entertainment purchases and um, and impulse buys. Okay. Impulse buys are junk you just don't need and aren't going to find useful. Like candy. Yeah, things like that. Yeah, really. Um, whereas, you know, entertainment purchases, whether your entertainment comes from candy, some people like candy, and, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. Um, it's fine to to enjoy candy. It's it's something entirely to get some crap you don't need. I I just purchased from you know a a, a Marvel comic compilation from uh, Amazon for thirty dollars. Well. I'm gonna read that and I'm gonna enjoy it and uh, you know I I made the decision to get that and I don't consider that an impulse buy or bad or anything like that.
0: No, so. there's nothing wrong with entertaining oneself, but you should you, be doing it. And you it, have to, you are going to do it, but you, you should be doing it within the budget, like you mentioned earlier, sure. to where you don't go crazy and buy you know for your entertainment the 60 inch plasma TV with the you know Blu-ray player when you your budget just can't handle mm. that. And then charge it up on a credit card and end up paying through the nose interest payments. Right,
1: and, and, and if you're going to purchase things, purchase them, uh, purchase them in cash, uh, or pay off your credit card at the end of the month. Yeah. And when I say pay off the credit card at the end of the month, I mean really, really pay off the credit card at the end of the month. Don't uh, say I'm going to do it and then fail to do it because then it just piles up and you're going to be in the same problem that people that don't make any don't track themselves at all in their purchases.
0: If there's even a question or a doubt in your mind that you wouldn't be able to pay it off at the end of the month, mm-hmm. then don't buy that yet. Just hold off. I mean, it won't hurt. If you're going to buy a new TV set, you really want to have a hot new LCD or DLP or plasma or whatever the new technology is. If you give it another few months when your finances are a little bit more in order, the sets will be cheaper then because that's what happens. Technology gets more affordable over time. So yeah, you know, there's no real win to being the first kid on the block with the new Blu-ray player.
1: Number seven, Um, all the stuff you're doing that seems hard, it will be of use. This is the first one that might not be as obvious. There are many times in my life when work was hard and I did it anyway, but I hated it. I did it because I had to, but boy, did it stress me out and leave me exhausted. Hard work isn't as easy as I wanted it to be, but you know what? Every bit of hard work I did without knowing why I did it, it's paid off for me in the
0: long run. Well, I'd like to say that we were talking during one of the breaks about Nick and his career as a realtor. And by the way, Nick is the host of uh, Free Minds TV. You can go to freemindstv.com to, uh, to t- take a look at his show. Mark, are you going to be on there tomorrow? Um, yeah. Yes, actually, I am. Well, Mark's got a, a recurring segment now on there. And, uh, of course, if you go to freekeen.com or freemindstv.com, you get the latest episodes. But you're a, re- uh, you're a real estate guy. You're a realtor uh, for your the way you make money because, unfortunately, you aren't yet making a living at the the public access TV thing. Um, and you were telling us that you knew in advance when you got into the real estate business that it was going to be pretty dry for a while, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's hard. I mean, that's what Mark's talking about here. That's tough for most people to, to handle, you know, to understand that it's going to be a long time before you actually start getting any commissions in the door, whether it be in, in real estate or any other sales business or in different uh, areas where you've got to put some real serious work in. And invest some time in yourself and your business before, down the line, you start to reap some rewards. And for some people, it's just too hard. For some people, they say, oh, I can't do this. I've got to have a paycheck every single week. Mm-hmm. And that probably goes well, back to the fact that they're not well-budgeted.
2: Well, and some people do need a paycheck every week. I was uh, you know, still living at home. I saved up some money. I was able to do it. I worked odd jobs. I didn't have that many bills to pay. And my advice to people, if they're thinking about starting a career that... Um, isn't a sure thing or even starting a small business. If it's, if it's possible for them to do it at a younger age, I would suggest doing it then. Cause typically if you put it off, you accrue more responsibilities. Maybe mm. you have kids, you pick up a, you know, a, either a steady girlfriend or a wife and yeah, life changes and life changes. And you find yourself being 30 and you can't do what you, what you really could have done if you had started when you were maybe 20. And so I think trying to seize opportunity, Um, when you're younger, I mean, if you miss out and it doesn't work out, well, oh, well, you're, you're still young. You can try something else. That's a great point. Um, but yeah, I I mean, if you have plans for things you want to do in life, start doing them early. Because, you, you know, there's no benefit to putting them off.
0: In fact, I think that uh, college, in many cases, we've talked about this, that college is very overrated. Uh, in fact, most people that go to college don't actually end up needing any of the, the things that they learned there. Uh, there are certainly some careers where college is a requisite, being a doctor or an engineer, lawyer, for instance. Uh, but 90% of college graduates, it may actually be higher than 90%, but at least 90% of college graduates don't actually end up with a career in the field that they majored in when it comes to uh, what they spend. All that money on, uh, and in many cases, it's not even useful for whatever it is you end up deciding to do. So, a lot of these young people in America are spending. What's a what's a semester in college cost? I mean, not at the you know state schools, it could be five to ten thousand dollars, right? Um, yeah. At more expensive schools, it could be twenty to forty thousand dollars. So, let's just say twenty thousand dollars for a year at college. Four years of that, you're looking at eighty grand. Now, some kids have it nice, and their parents pay for all that. Uh, but some people go into serious debt to pay for that. So after uh, you know, four and, years, and, and
1: I have to say that if they're going to go to, if my child's going to go to college, I absolutely do want them to pay for it, because I just don't think they're going to have the value um, of
0: college without doing it. It won't be meaningful to
1: them. No, yeah. I, I just, you know, I don't think they're going to work as hard as they should. The thing that you're given for free, you just don't value, especially if it comes from your parents, the people that are supposed to give you things for free, mm-hmm. the way you see it, especially at that time in your life. I'm. Even if it's uh, I I match him $3 for every
0: one that he uh, earns, I want him to pay for college. Just think about this, though. I mean, just from the monetary perspective of uh, spending, let's say, again, $20,000 a year, $80,000 over four years, these young people, let's just talk about the ones that are paying for it. They're getting into these college loans— so it's eighty thousand dollars plus interest. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not just eighty grand. It's going to be a hundred grand. After the interest is
1: very low because it's government uh, guaranteed and all that it, kind of stuff. You won't
0: double your. Uh, it won't cost you double, but it'll be still several thousand dollars more in interest.
1: Absolutely true. Um, and that interest isn't going away. You cannot bankruptcy away that that interest. You
0: you can't get rid of it. If you had, uh, if if you had, uh, for instance spent that money or taken that money that you would have spent on college and done what Nick suggested and started your own business, for instance. Uh, whatever that business might be, whatever it is you love to do. Right, and that's the the best advice inside of there is doing what you love to do. Like my sister, for instance, I don't know much about her, except from time to time my my mom will give me the update on what my sister is doing. So I don't really have any reason to communicate with her. but just, So this is what I hear about her, right? She spent this money to go to college, mm-hmm. and she got us some degree in art, Whatever. And so now she has to get a job working as an administrative assistant for some artist in New York City, for instance, or or something like that. And just thinking, well, you know, eventually she might want to start her own art gallery, for instance. That's what I understand. Well, if you'd taken the money you'd spent on college and actually invested it in your art gallery idea... You'd be there already. Right. I mean, why does one
1: need a degree in art in order to open an art gallery? What one needs, um, you know, what need one, the qualification one needs to open an art gallery is the ability to sell stuff. And uh, certainly you need a knowledge of what you're talking about, but you don't need a degree to show your knowledge of art. If you love art, you should have, uh, likely you're looking at it and, and studying it and reading about it, and and you'll have that level of knowledge. If you don't have that level of knowledge and don't
0: have any desire to get it, you shouldn't be in that line of work. No doubt about it. Now, you might not have $80,000 cash, you know, right when you get out of high school, but there's no reason why you can't have ten or twenty. You know, there.
1: Or go work in an art gallery and or, get the experience. Yeah. I, or
2: take out, I mean, you can take out a small business loan. If you're going to sure. take out a loan to pay for college, you know, don't, bury your, don't bury yourself too deep. But if you can qualify, try to get a small business loan.
0: 800 yeah. 259 You can take control of the Airways. Hour 2 is coming up. We've got more things that you might have wished you'd known when you started out in life. And if you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the show. and This is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. But as I understand it, we are having some phone difficulties tonight, so it may only be that our amplifiers could get through on the amp, amp line tonight. Uh, but give it a try anyway. Who knows? 800 uh, 259 is the SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online, freetalklive.com. Features there we give away. Unlike those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you five, six, seven bucks a month for access to their websites. Our. Ours is free, so do enjoy that. On us, freetalklive.com, we are talking about the 10, excuse me, 20 things, actually, 20 things that this particular author wishes he had known when starting out in life. And a lot of this is pretty valuable stuff. Uh, Let's give a quick recap, Mark, if we can here, just over what we've, uh, those who might be just tuning in, have missed over the last hour. If you've missed it, uh, the full discussion, of course, you'll get on our uh, website tonight when the archive is posted at freetalklive.com. But just quick, the titles, what they've missed. Number
1: one, how to um, control impulse spending, stay active, pl- uh, plan your finances. We're up to three, by the way, but go ahead. Yeah, number four, junk food will uh, come back to bite you in the butt. Five, number five, smoking is just dumb. Six, find uh, fund your retirement, son, and don't withdraw it. Seven, all the stuff you're doing that seems hard, it'll be of use someday. And uh, number eight is where we're at. This one's entitled, don't buy that used van without checking it closely.
0: Oh, man, did I learn this lesson. The yeah, hard way.
1: I think everybody who's I buy only used vehicles. I don't think I've ever owned a new car. Um, yeah, me too. And sometimes it's re- I, you know, largely I've been very lucky, but um, you know, I, I got a stinker once too, and the reason is, and, and I've been lazy every single time in purchasing a vehicle. I haven't taken it to a mechanic. You've and, never taken a used vehicle to a mechanic? Nope.
0: You're insane. Well. Uh, Okay, <laughs> says the guy who wants the nanobots living in his body. I learned that I learned that lesson once, and I will never mess up on that one again. Mm. Always check out uh, a vehicle. It's very good. Idea.
1: It's it's very, very very it. very good advice, and it doesn't cost that much. And they can, you know, they're going to tell you what what's going to go wrong and what's not. But the stinker I bought broke down the day I bought it. Mm.
0: And in mine it didn't take long.
1: Cost me fifteen hundred dollars to repair. So, Fortunately, I had the money to do it. No and, warranty
2: whatsoever. No, it was. Yeah, I, mine was. I, as I as pretty as much as as
1: as all uh, I purchased all my vehicles from uh, private individuals too, simply because you get better better deal that way. But you don't get your any kind of uh, uh, coverage,
2: right? Which can cost you. Yep. Yeah. Whenever, I
0: mean, whenever the guy selling you the van, whether it be an individual, private individual, or uh, business, if they're trying to tell you that you don't need to inspect it, or they're trying to talk you out of getting it inspected, back away. Wick. yeah
1: um, I, the, my most recent uh, used car purchase was uh, a situation where the vehicle was not didn 't have a license plate on it, so it was you know i couldn 't take it in I, you just couldn 't do it and um, since it didn 't have a license plate it had it had to be transported, and the guy paid to have it transported. And and now I realize why. It has, it has an overheating problem. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I'm only using it to plow my driveway. That's the only reason I bought it, and I didn't pay much for it, and overheating doesn't isn't really an issue. When I'm plowing my driveway, it is, of course, below freezing, and I don't have a problem with that. But as far as using it as a commuting vehicle, anything besides plowing, I wouldn't be able to use it for that. Yeah. Okay. So um. anyway, the author uh, says, I still think that buying used is smart, but check things out closely first. Number nine. That guy you're gonna sell your car to, on a gentleman's agreement, he's not going to pay you. <laughs> and it's true, people do this. You know, oh yeah, I'll sell really? you this. And I, I did. If you it. don't
0: get cash in hand. You let your car go. Well,
1: yeah, some people need payments and that kind of thing. And there's you know there's there's people out there that may or may not have the best of intentions of paying, but once they have the item, well, the desire to have the item is gone. Mm-hmm. So now no, it's you have to theirs. It back. Yeah, and yeah. and that's just it's it's just. Bad news. So, you know, even if you have a contract, it's bad news. What's the story as, with this one? Though? As far as paying it. I sold another car to a, um, to a friend who was sure who I was sure would pay me even if I had nothing in writing. That wasn't smart. I see the, the guy uh, once in a while on the road, but I don't have the energy to do U U-turn and chase after him.
0: Talk about a way to ruin a friendship. I mean, he used the term friend. I don't use that term very lightly when mm-hmm. I'm talking about somebody that I uh, know and care about. Uh, the idea that you had this friendship, uh, you thought it was strong enough to where yep. it would prevent him from screwing you over, and he decided that your friendship wasn't worth the uh, the free car. I'm not sure that, the, that people even make those decisions.
1: They're just, you know, they're incompetent with their finances. That's why they need to buy a car on payments from you or whatever. Mm.
0: Um, yeah, I'll get it to you,
1: buddy. That's why they don't have the money. That's why they can't go get the money from, um, you know, a credit union or something bank, like yeah. that, and, and that's why they need the loan. Because they're incompetent with their finances, so when you give them a loan, you're giving a loan to somebody even with a contract. It's 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 not that great, big fat hairy deal. I've got I've had contracts with people that they just haven't paid on. Yep, big deal. And
0: then well, what are you going to do? Pay to pay the government to haul them
1: into court, go after them, and then and then what? Put a lien on their property. They don't have any property. They're incompetent with their finances. Yeah. So getting involved with people that are incompetent with their finances and doing business deals with them. Bad idea. Bad idea. Sorry. Let I the mean, banks take that risk. God bless God bless all those people and everything, but uh, they don't need my money because I work too hard for it. Number 11. All that stuff that's stressing you out. You skipped one. Number 10. You're right. Number 10. Make time to pursue your passion, no matter how busy you are. I've always wanted to uh, be a writer, get my book published. I just never had the time to write for the family and school and full-time job, and there just wasn't enough hours in a day. Well, I've learned that you have to make those hours. Set aside a block of time to do what you love. Cut out other stuff from the li- um, from your life and um, that take up your time, and don't let anything interfere with that work. If I had done that 15 years ago, I could have had 15
0: books written by now. I believe it. Time management, I mean, that basically goes back to time management is seeing where it is you're spending your time, mm-hmm. analyzing. It's the same thing as a budget. You're budgeting money, you're budgeting time. Yeah. Uh, you look at how you spend your time and try to figure out ways to reduce the things you're spending a lot of time on. Like we talked about before, you know, ch- for me, checking my email box is still a killer for me, and I really am constantly struggling with that. Uh if you can look at the areas you're spending time in, you can then analyze that and do your best to uh, to whittle it down here or mm-hmm. there, and uh, you know uh, make it, make a little bit of time to to do something else that you want to do. Yep. Whether it be, it doesn't have to be. I mean, he likes to write. I, I, for instance, might want to read, so I'm going to put yeah, you a goal.
1: Do. you do want to read, as a matter of fact. I'm going to put, put a, a goal on about. my
0: goal sheet to actually read a couple chapters in the book that I'm reading. That way it's front and center in my mind that this is something I want to do. I can be more aware, consciously, that I want to do it, and uh, therefore I'd be more likely to make that time.
1: I often um, you know like to get rid of some things in my life, like everybody does. Just get rid of crap that you have, that you've, you've accumulated. Mm-hmm. And I always tell myself, I'm going to list this on eBay. I'm very bad about getting that thing listed on eBay. It, you know, it'd bring in a couple extra bucks here and there, depending on what it is that I'm selling. Most of it would be just, you know, throwing, getting rid of something that I'm not willing to throw away, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I like to save things. (laughs) And so that would be a great thing. But somehow or another, I've got all this stuff that I want to put on eBay. It just doesn't get there. And I think setting aside just a little bit of time, it's not even that hard. eBay makes it easy. And that would be very helpful for me. Do you have any issues with that, Nick? Time management?
0: Um, I mean, as you work for yourself, so it's it's always tricky, people like us that work for ourselves, to uh, make sure we're you, on task.
2: You always have to check yourself. I mean, there are some days where you realize, uh, you know, you wasted 30 minutes here or, or 20 minutes there, and that can make a difference at the end of the day if sure you go, oh, does. geez, now i got to stay an extra hour and do all this stuff I didn't get to yet. Um, I, I do okay with it. I try to... Um, Keep a schedule and keep on track. But it is something I'm not naturally good about, you know, staying on track as far as keeping a schedule in my head. Mm -hmm. I really have to try to write it down and say... Here's what I'm going to do, and I, I, it's something I have to work at. It's I'm not sure there I'm sure really good at.
0: I imagine there are people that are good at having it in their head, but I think for most people, writing it down has got to be critical. I at know least, for me, it's important.
1: At least defining it, if not if not writing right. down what your schedule is, at least defining it in your mind. Because if you think, I want to do this, I want to do this, and I want to do this inside a given day, that's just not good enough. Um, well, thoughts the, will fly in and they'll fly right back uh, back out. At the very least, you have to say, well, I'm going to be up at I'm going to get up at 9 a.m. and I'm going to you know by 9:30 I'm going to be at my computer from 9:30 to to 10 o'clock. I'm going to check emails for you know this specific thing or whatever, and then from uh, 10 to uh, noon 30 I'm going to make telephone calls. From noon 30 to 1:30 I'm I'm going to eat lunch, spend some time with my wife from 1:30 you know, to 3:30. You know, you got to set it out, you know.
0: Right. Well. I'm for people that work a 9-to-5, it seems like it's cut and dry, but then you really need to be focused, because what you're doing from 9-to-5 is whatever the boss says you need to do. That's why they're paying you. Right. But you, that just means you really need to put extra focus on what you do before 9 and what you do after 5, because that's your real you know, time to yourself, the time when you can do all the other things you need to do in life. So it's extra important to, uh, to take a close look at how you spend your time. More on the way. You can take control. Bring up anything. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, it's your show, and you can bring up anything if our phone lines uh, were working. It would be 800-259-9231. It may be only amplifiers tonight that can get through on the amp only line, which we'll tell you more about the amp program here in a little bit one 800 259 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, go and get it online for free right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience. freetalklive.com. Uh, also need to tell you that March 12th through the 15th is the 56th running of the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring, presented by Fresh from Florida. The world's fastest sports cars will battle for for 12 hours on the famous Sebring Road Course. For tickets and information, call 1-800-626-RACE or visit sebringraceway.com. March 12th through the 15th, you don't want to miss it. If you love racing, if you love a huge party, uh, this, from what I understand, is the place to be.
1: I, I, I get to my endorsement. I had a great time when I was there. Uh,
0: so, once again, that's SebringRaceway.com. Also, we've got some tickets uh, that we're going to be giving away throughout this week uh, in various different manner. Uh, we'll probably give some to uh, our amplifiers, probably give some to, uh, let's see, maybe our email list subscribers. Not sure how we're going to make all these work, but uh, you will, if you are a listener to this show, you will have opportunities to win the tickets, which, by the way, from what I understand, are pretty pricey. Like, this is a huge thing. This is four day, this is a four-day-long event. So stay tuned for that opportunity. Uh, I believe we're going to give it to the podcast listeners next. So if you're a podcast listener who's caught up on the show, you'll be in luck. If you're one of those podcast listeners that's a week behind, you, that's going to be tough for you. Anyway, 800 We're talking about the 20 things that uh, I wish I had known when starting my life. Well, let's continue the list, Mark. Okay, number 11, all that stuff that's stressing you
1: out, it won't matter in five years, let alone 15. When things are um, happening uh, to you right now, they mean all the world. I had deadlines and projects and people breathing down my neck, and my stress levels went through the roof. I don't regret the hard work, but I think that I would uh, have, have been less stressed if I could have just realized that it wouldn't matter a single bit just a few years down the road. Perspective is a good thing to learn.
0: Now, that's not to say that you shouldn't, I mean, that you should be careless about the work that you're doing. No. It matters right here and now. I,
1: I, I would agree, but I, I think I have I have some perspective on this. When I, I, I used to work for Clear Channel in mm-hmm. sales, and I was pretty good. A uh, lot of new guys, that was sink or swim there. Uh, they didn't give you any kind of real training and leads or anything like that. So um, most people dropped out. There mm-hmm. were a, a couple, two, two people that made it, and I would count myself as one of those people. And um, I, in the process, though, I worked there for two years, two plus years. I I, I developed an ulcer. Um, really? I, yeah. I, and <laughs> and it was because I was I was working constantly. I wanted to succeed, and I loved the job, and that was a good thing. And I do press myself to to succeed in most uh, circumstances. I was pressing myself a little too hard. Hmm. So, it, it, for me, it was beneficial when I went elsewhere, and you know got a line of work that didn't cause me as much stress
0: I think that this particular example is so relevant precisely to people that don't really have any perspective people in high school for mm. instance uh, if you're in high school and you're preoccupied with dating who's dating who mm. and uh, you know the test that's due next uh, next week I can
1: tell you that none of the girls that I dated
0: uh, you know any time in my life really matter to me at all no. right they have no relevance uh, at all. And so that's, I think, you know, a lot of people get caught up in the the high school drama that happens all around them. And and it seems like it matters because at that time, those are the people that are a part of your life. Mm-hmm. The people that you go to school with, the teachers you interact Things with. Things
1: like popularity mean nothing yeah. to me now.
0: It's a totally different uh, world in government high school or just in high school in general. you're You're not really in the real world quite yet, but it's the real world to you. It's what you're experiencing. And so you feel as though... What's happening there is very important, and I have to say that not much of what happens in high school is in any way important uh, to the rest of your life. So w- when it comes to working, and after you get out of high school, you'll look back and you'll see that, and then that's when you'll get your first real dose of perspective. It's where you look at back and you say, huh, you know, I only talked to like one or two of my old high school buddies, and they're halfway across the country now, and mm-hmm. completely, pretty much irrelevant to my life. No, most, of uh, them I, most of them I don't even miss. Yeah, most of the stuff I learned, not really relevant to what I'm doing, uh, all the time I spent fretting over who my girlfriend or boyfriend was going to be uh, next year, you know, was just a waste of time. Next week. Yeah. So uh, that's, you're going to be your first real dose of perspective. So this isn't to say that you shouldn't be concerned with what's going on in the present. It's just to realize that most of it in another 10 years is going to be irrelevant to, to you because you're going to move on. You're going to change. Your priorities are going to uh, to be adjusted. So, let's
1: continue. Absolutely true. Um, I, I, you're right about that.
0: Okay. That's one of the fun parts about getting old, by the way, is getting gaining perspective on your life. Yeah, because there's so little else. It's fun.
1: The people, <laughs> <laughs> the people you make uh, friends with are so much more important than your job or the things you buy. I've had a few jobs. I've bought a lot of things. And I've made a few friends over the past 15 years. Of those, the only things that still matter to me are the friends, and I wish I could have spent more time with the friends and family than doing other things. And it's true, it's re- your relationships that you remember. It's a good point. All the time you spent watching TV is a huge, huge waste of time. I don't know how much TV I've watched over the years, but it's a crap load. Hours and days and weeks I'll never have back. Who cares what happens on reality TV when reality is slipping away outside, mm. Time is something you'll
0: never get back. Don't waste it on TV. Well, now, okay, let's go back, though, to talk about entertainment. Mm -hmm. Because you had said that having a budget for entertainment is important because we have to uh, enjoy ourselves and Mm -hmm. our leisure time. And and certainly leisure time is important to a a happy, wholesome life. Um, So that's not to say that television is entirely bad. It's just too much can be a problem. and As with anything that could be addictive, uh, it could be dangerous
2: i don't remember the exact number I know it's more than two hours a day is what the average American watches for t v mm. that's a significant chunk of your life once you true. add up television and sleep and you know just the things you have to do eating a meal to get by and and work there's not a whole lot of time left, so that two hours can make a difference and i'll admit i'll you know i'll watch t v if it's past nine o'clock at night is usually when I might be right. watching t v because decompressing i well yeah, and I just I don't get to bed that early, and I live in the middle of nowhere there's nothing to do at nine o'clock I could walk outside and you know look at the stars, but that gets a little that's a little hokey and Overrated.
0: Well, I think there are some uh, there are some habits that one could develop that might be a little bit healthier when it comes to watching television. Um, maybe uh, appointment television watching makes a lot more sense than just sitting down right. and flipping through channels. Well, so, uh, you, what you're defending? you have a show you want to watch, what you're
1: watch. defending here is uh, you know you're watching a little bit of TV, and I'm all for and you know watching. A little bit of TV or movies or something like that. It, you know, when when uh, Nick says that the average is two hours and I, two hours a day, I believe him. Yeah. And that means that um, for every person that doesn't watch any TV or watches very little television, there's somebody out there watching four or five hours a day. Tonight, yeah, and th- you know, th- there's there's a lot of people out there that watch a lot of television. That statement's for them. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I do sort of what Nick does is sometimes I watch television to decompress rather than playing video games. There you go. Yeah. Just be conscious. Be aware. Number 14. Your kids are going to grow up way faster than you think. Don't waste a minute. Oh, this one's for you, Mark. Thanks. Oh, I'm not gonna. Re- I, I can't get get all the oh, way I through. I understand it that,
0: but Mark, your uh, your wife is pregnant. She's due yep. within the next month, and uh, life is going to change significant, uh, significantly for you. So we'll, <laughs> I hope uh, it's not an entire month away from now. We'll take a look at this, uh, and there's about five more uh, remaining, five or six more here on this list of twenty things that uh, you might have well might have been benefit, uh, beneficial to you to know when you were starting life, but never too late to learn some of these things and apply them because it can help you enjoy your life more. Now, more on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. Bring up what you want. Toll-free number 800-259-9231, the Cycle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away. They include the bulletin board system with over 300,000 posts. Lots to talk about. Serious issues to fun stuff. You will find it all at freetalklive.com, so enjoy that. Uh, Also, you need to know the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival is better known as Porkfest. It's running June 9th through the 15th this year. At Porkfest, you'll be able to see firsthand why New Hampshire is one of the country's best places to live and tour New Hampshire on special Free State Project bus tours or on your own. Discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T. Dot com Talking about 20 things that uh, you wish you might have known when you were starting life. Now, maybe you were fortunate and you knew some of these things. I know that I certainly didn't. A lot of it I had to learn the hard way, but learn it I did and apply it I have, and it sure has helped me uh, now, and so it's never too late to learn a lot mm-hmm. of this stuff. Let's continue with the list, Mark.
1: Your kids are going to grow up way faster than you think. Don't waste a minute. I just had an oh-my-God moment recently. My oldest daughter, Chloe, is 14, going on 15 next month. I have three years left with her before she leaves my house and becomes an adult. Three years. I'm floored by that single fact because it doesn't really seem um, anywhere near enough time. I want to go back to my younger self and whack the younger guy in the head and say, stop working so hard, stop stop watching TV, spend more time with your kids. These last 15 years with Chloe and my other wonderful kids have gone by much, much too fast.
0: Look, I'm no parent, I don't have kids, but I can say that... uh just tying this one into the last one we talked about the the watching tv mm-hmm. thing that seems to be about the worst thing you can do as far as spending time with your kids is to sit there and watch tv with them certainly there must be something better you can do i mean if you're going to be doing something around the house maybe a board game you know would be a little bit more interactive a little bit more fun yeah a little a little less passive then t- watching television, there's no uh, unless you're having a uh, an, a conversation about what's going on on the television as you know if, unless it's sparking conversation between you and the other people in the room. In this case, your kids. Then it's worthless. It's not really time together. You just happen to be in the same room watching the same program. I don't know if that's. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about that. I, I would agree. I agree. Um,
2: I think some people do. I I know we used to we used to talk quite a bit. We didn't watch. Uh, ton, ton of TV, um, but we when we did, we would generally be talking about it. I mean, it wasn't just like we'd sit there and veg for a half an hour silently in the same room. The times that I remember with my parents, the ones that are special to me, did not include television. It's a good point.
1: So, moving on. Um, other things are, are better. Okay. Number 15, forget the drama. Focus on being happy. There have been many things that have happened to me professionally, personally, that seem like the end of the world. Hmm. And while these things were bad, they get blown up in our um into our uh in our heads so that we become they become major drama. They cause me to be depressed from time to time. What a waste of time if I realized that it was all in my head and I could be happy instead of um if instead if I focused on the positive on what I did have and what I could be doing, I'd have skipped all that moping about.
0: I think a good example of drama that people make a little bit bigger than it necessarily needs to be is getting fired uh losing a job in many cases people can feel if they've if they've worked at that job for a, a number of years mm-hmm. it's it's become part of their life the people that they encounter there they were you know important to them it can be pretty devastating uh but the proper perspective is to look at it as a new start a new opportunity uh, a way to get out there and and do something different or move on to something better uh in many cases I've seen it over and over again. People that get very upset about losing their jobs end up doing something better later on. Uh, sure. They end up getting a better gig somewhere else, or they move on and they work for themselves in some way, shape, or form. Uh, so in a lot of cases, a, a, a getting fired is just a new beginning. I think that's, again, it's all in how you look at it. It's all in how you approach things. And, and certainly thinking positively goes a long way to helping you feel better about tragic things that can happen.
1: Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, People uh, do put too much emphasis on uh, things like losing a job or, uh, you know, breaking up with a girlfriend or or a significant other or whatever. Um, You know, when these are just, you know, your your life will go on and things will be good and, and you'll enjoy it. So, absolutely. And, and you got to choose to do those things. Pay more attention. Um, pay more attention to blogs when you first hear about them. They're more than just journals. I can't even imagine this uh, as as a piece of advice. Okay, yeah, what's this I doing just, in there? I just read about uh, a blog seven or eight years ago, but when I took a uh, look at them, they didn't seem like anything but of interest. Some people's just some people's journals about stuff they read on the web. Why would I want to read those? That's the question I'm asking right now. Uh, I have my own thoughts about the, the web, but I don't need to uh, share them with the world. I spent lots of time on, on the Internet on various sites and forums, but every time I happened upon a blog, I would brush past it without interest at all. It wasn't until a couple of years ago that I discovered what wonderful things they could be. I mentioned uh, some of my early favorites in the uh, list of influences. If I had gotten into blogging years ago, well, it wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been wasting all that time.
0: I don't know. It sounds like he's defending a habit to me. Uh, why is it that blogs are any better necessarily than... Reading, than watching uh, television.
1: Yeah. It
2: doesn't seem to fit with the, the the kind of advice he's giving and all the other points. It's Maybe I need of, to read a few blogs to figure it, it out, but sounds, most of them I've yeah. read,
1: I haven't really, you know, haven't done that much for it me. It sounds
2: more like a personal opinion than an actual piece of, you, you know, life advice. Good advice,
1: yeah. <laughs> Let's, moving on to number 17. Speaking of which, keep a journal. Seriously, your memory is extremely faulty. I forget things really easily, not short-term stuff, but long-term. I don't really remember things about my kids' early early years because I didn't record any of it. I don't remember things about my life. It's like a a lot of foggy memories that I'll never have access to. I wish I'd kept a journal. I don't know
0: if I agree with this one either.
1: I don't know that I disagree. I I think that uh, many people enjoy journaling. Um, Journaling is a good way to remember things about your life. Um, What was was the date that you uh, stopped working at Clear Channel? Hell if I know. There you go. Why is it relevant? Well, it depends. <laughs> to many people, um, you know, I could, I could probably figure out the year. Milestones are important. Uh, milestones are important uh, to them, and you know, I, I can see that journaling makes a heck of a lot more sense than reading other people's journals.
0: Uh, oh, okay, yes, I will agree with you on
1: that one, and it will help you to be able to. Um, it it's comforting to have
0: the memories because uh, your life is to some extent about your memories. You know? i don't agree don't agree with that viewpoint okay. uh, in fact, I would say that I, can, I could understand for some people who find that important and a priority in their life to reflect and to look back on the past certainly a journal would be nice It also might be a good way to really se- uh, to organize your thoughts for instance, if you had a lot of things happen to you during the day to get your thoughts down on paper or, uh, or on the computer screen uh, that I could see I could understand that but to go back and to, uh, you know to page through your journals from 20 years ago just to get, you know, take a look little trip down the lane of nostalgia i i don't really understand I, I think that that is uh, just a, a big waste of time. I think living in the past is a, a huge mistake that a lot of people spend a lot of time on. Uh, if you're, if you're, you know, pack, if you're pack ratting, you're saving all this old crap. I think saving a bunch of old crap is the same as spending time writing down stuff that arguably you probably aren't going to read into the future. And if you are reading it in the future, I have to ask, why are you doing that? What a possible, you know, benefit could you uh, could you perceive? Uh, or receive from from reading all your old writings, I guess well, beyond just' hey, I'm, this is I'm fun, older than is what you i are. thought
1: back then i'm older than you are and i've i've come to, come to an ad- defense while listening to you uh, platter on there um it, it, the the reason is is because for for me one thing that I've recently wished that I had that i don't have is I used to write down um you know what I was bodybuilding i was going to get big i Mm -hmm. would write down my um height my weight and measurements and all that stuff um and i wish i had those things now to sort of take a look at you know where could i just sort of where could i get to i've been on you know trying to lose some weight working out a little bit and i'd just like to know that information having that
0: information would be valuable to me well there's a difference between useful statistics and things that are valuable even if i wrote it out longhand in a journal yeah, but a journal, when I think of journal, I think of someone reflecting on their day's events, right? That's, to me, what a journal is. If you're, if you're journaling uh, statistics or you're journaling something that's uh, a little bit more tangible like that, I can see that. But if, if, why would I, as a 27-year-old, want to go and read something that I wrote when I was 17? What, so I'm going to sit down and read and say, boy, was I a jackball? Or, man, was I an idiot, you know, because I was a dumb kid back then, and I I didn't have the knowledge or the perspective that I have today. What possibly, besides just being embarrassed about myself and and how I used to be, could I gain from reading the things that I thought ten years ago? If you know. If it,
1: if it has information in it about what happened in your life, and assuming that you're writing a but it journal, happened it does 10 have years information. Ago.
0: It's irrelevant. That contradicts what he said earlier about how don't focus so much on the drama that's happening today because it'll be irrelevant ten years from now. More on the way. Nick, you can chime in on the journal as you want to hear what you have to say. This is Free Talk Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the cai toll-free line. Uh, It's Ian here with you. Yeah, Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site, and you can enjoy those for free and if you like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, then become a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as three bucks a month. Just go to amp.freetalklive.com to get signed up. The idea is you send in that money, we take it in, turn it around and reinvest it into the show and get on more radio stations around the country thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty as far, as wide and as fast as possible. Uh, plus you get perks too, like access to the amp-only call-in-line, amp-only chat room and forum all the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com president hillary clinton the north american union unconstitutional gun and drug laws a national id card what's your trigger point if it happens what will you do the free state project knows that one size does not fit all Participants choose what event will trigger their move to New Hampshire to join the fight for freedom. Check it out at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Uh, for the past, I don't know, hour and a half on the show, we've been uh, discussing in detail a number of things that, should you had known them at the beginning of your life or starting your adult life, they might have been quite helpful. Heck, even knowing them in uh, in high school would have uh, been helpful.
1: For a lot of adults, they're good to figure out now.
0: But, but yeah, absolutely. It's never too late. And uh, so far... I've agreed with pretty much all of the list up until the last couple. Uh, now I think he's sort of. Jumping Winding off the down. deep end here, because uh, this one I completely disagree with. Uh, the idea that one should keep a journal so you can go back and revisit your thoughts from a decade ago when you're feeling particularly nostalgic. I I personally recommend rejection of nostalgia. I think it's uh, it's nothing more than a waste of time. I think that uh, you know it's, it's it's someone who's living in the past, someone who you know. When I think of nostalgia, I think of some somebody going up in their attic and just paging through their old books and their old stuff and thinking about what life was like back then and boy weren't just those the good old days. No, the good days are right now. You've you you know you've been building wealth your whole life you've been uh, been working towards the point where you are today you should be focusing on the future you should be focusing on what you want to achieve not the things that you've, you did, you did five or ten years ago it seems to be uh, to me to be a misplaced priority and a waste of time one of one of the I, I understand your rejection
1: of nostalgia and one of the things that I reject is uh, cynicism anyway <laughs> the um, but I do think that some of the, there's there's a lot of value in journal journaling um, it, it increases your ability to write well. You know, how do you get better at writing? You practice. It increases your ability to spell. How do you get better at spelling? You practice.
0: Yeah, but uh, you also, I mean, if you're practicing, someone should be observing what you're doing so they can tell you when you're making mistakes, otherwise you keep making them over and over again.
1: I don't think that that's so. Um, what do you think the uh, band teacher does um, when they send you home to t- and tell you to practice? There's no one observing you there. Sure, they can come back, but that's what a blog's for. People read it. Maybe somebody will give you feedback. If you put on your blog, look, I'm looking for feedback on my blog on how well it's written. Those are, you know, it's, it's value.
2: I'm not so, saying
0: it's completely valueless necessarily, but I think it's a misplaced priority. and I think it's something that I personally don't find any use for in my life. And, Nick, I'd love to hear your thoughts.
2: I don't think it's something, um, as far as people wish they had kept a journal, I don't think most people do. I mean, if some people enjoy journaling um, and that's what they want to do, that's fine. But I, I kind of agree with Ian that it's a waste of time. Um, even if, you, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say it's nostalgic and and just crap to keep a journal. Um, as a hobby,
0: it, I can see it. I can see this as something you like to do. Okay, fine. Right. It's a but hobby sit, of value.
2: But to right. sit there and
0: go through it ten, 10 years later, oh, boy, it wasn't life grand.
2: Uh, right. I just, I generally agree that I focus on what's going on now and in the future and what happened in the past is, Already gone. I mean, it's water under the bridge. Right. Well, sometimes it's useful to look back and, um, you know, see how things have changed over time, but I don't know that you necessarily need a journal to do that. The important things are going to stick in your mind. Yeah, um, I can remember how I anyway. was.
0: I, I remember how I was when I was a teenager, and it's I'm not the same person that, that I am today, or I, I was not the same person that I am today. And, and you're right, the, the things that I was bad about certainly stick in my mind. I have no real reason to go back and, and revisit all that. And you, you know think? what? I, when I first learned this was when I remember when I was growing up, my mom would always want me to keep my old papers from the, the last year in school. And I never could understand this. I could never understand, what are you talking about? Like, I'm going to go back back and read all the old crap that I wrote at government school I'm going to go back and look over some of my tests that I took what in the world is the value of this it's nothing more than nostalgia oh look here's a construction paper you made when you were in kindergarten useless
1: i can see why parents want to have those things um, and i can see why you know when you're talking it's about it's nostalgia th- that's why
0: and, and, and it's a useless. little bit of,
1: a little bit of nostalgia's okay so I, you know, I, I just don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, well,
0: if I I agree. Maybe a little bit's okay. That's why I have a whole, a few old video games that I used to play because you can pop them in and Yeah, have but a the
1: good video time. games don't say anything about you. They're <laughs> things that you like, you used to like. Uh, that doesn't, you know, that
2: well, that doesn't make any I, sense. I can see why parents want to keep, um, you know, something to remind them of what happened when their kids were growing up. Um, I think that's a little bit different than keeping a journal on yourself. I think parents have a different relationship, um. As right, they have a relationship with their kids that they want to remember, and yeah, I think point. you know they're gonna keep photographs. They're gonna, they're gonna, there are certain memories that they want want to have something to remember it by, even if they're gonna remember it anyway. Um, so I think that's a little bit different than keeping your own journal. Um, you know, I just think it's a little bit different.
0: I put that in the same category as you know the people that videotape weddings. What are you gonna go back and? watch your wedding all over again? Some people do. No, they don't. I, Nobody I, ever does that. I, think, I think If they do, can, it's
2: retarded. I think you can make the case for videotaping your wedding. I mean, that's a major life event. I can see why you but, might want to... But
0: how many people actually go back and watch it?
2: Some I people don't do. I'm sure some people do. Can I go? Can I read the rest of this list, Mr. <laughs> Senator? No, we're
0: going to the amp line. Who's this? You're on Free Talk Live.
3: Hi, this is Lauren Canario hey. with a report from the Philly uh, informed jury uh, activity Oh, today. lovely. Yes, the cool. Wookiee. The Wookiee was out. Yes, we had uh, the six-foot-tall guy covered all well with fur standing outside the courtroom in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire today. And everyone was really friendly, and nothing bad happened.
0: Great. No harassment?
3: No harassment. we handed out quite a few pamphlets.
1: Do you think that having the Wookiee around uh, decreased the amount of harassment that you might have faced?
3: Definitely. He definitely brightened Disarmed, up people.
1: Um, the people. Uh, Disarmed anybody who might have come and bothered you?
3: <laughs> Actually, some uh, police and bureaucrats are, did come out and ask. for i us got some questions, but uh, they didn't do, take any action.
1: I don't mean actually disarmed. I don't mean even, uh, and rip somebody's <laughs> arm off like you did in Star, uh, Star Wars. I, I mean, you know, sort of emotionally disarmed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> did you find – I'm curious, because I've done this particular outreach, uh, again, going essentially to a courthouse – On a Monday morning when they're going to do jury selection and handing out brochures from the Fully Informed Jury Association to the people that are coming in, did you find that anybody thought that you were there to try to give them tips as to how to get out of jury uh, selection?
3: No, but uh, actually I did call out a couple times, hey, here's your chips to get out of jury duty, and no- nobody seemed to, be- to respond to that. <laughs> well,
0: that's good that people didn't presume that about you, because it, that seemed to be what a lot of people down in Florida were presuming about us without even giving us a chance to talk to them. Yeah. They just thought we were there to uh, to give them you know, uh, excuses or uh, tips and tricks to not do jury duty, and it upset, it upset them, uh, even though they didn't really know what we were there for. <laughs> well, they do say Florida is uh, where all the losers from all the other states end up. It makes sense. So all a success, then, that means it'll probably happen again, I imagine. Right, Lauren?
3: Yeah, it was fun. And uh, with the Wookiee there, everyone was uh, I mean, everyone was all, all downcast, walking into the jury room. They're, they're going to spend a whole day with nothing to do. But then they saw the Wookiee, and they were smiling.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Did anyone take pictures with him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Hey, Lauren, thanks for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. All right, Mark, you can go through the remainder here. Oh, good.
1: Just one second here. Okay, so uh, number 18, and uh, I think this is is just fantastic advice for for anybody. Tequila is seriously evil. I won't go into the details, but it should suffice to say that I had some bad experiences and I'm not sure I learned very much from them or benefited in any way except to learn that Tequila is the drink of the devil. And now I how
0: is it any different from other hard liquor? It's not.
1: Uh, you know, he just had a specific instance with tequila. Um, I think that. Like uh, I said,
0: this list is degenerating here at the end. It,
1: well, drinking too much of anything, you know, can really uh, result in some bad uh, incidences, and, and it's true with all kinds of drugs. 19. Yes, you can do a marathon. Don't put off this goal, it's extremely rewarding. That is, if you like to run. Let's go to number 20. All of these mistakes. Um, you're going to make, despite this advice, well, they're worth it. I like that one. My 18-year-old self would probably have read this post and said, good advice, and then uh, he would have (laughs) proceeded to make the same mistakes despite good intentions. I was a good kid, but I wasn't good at following advice. I had to make my own mistakes and live with my own life, and that's what I did. And I don't regret a minute of it. Every experience that I've had, even the tequila ones, have led me down the path of the life where I am today. I love where I am today, and I wouldn't trade it for another life in the world. The pain, the stress, the drama, the hard work, the mistakes, the depression, the hangovers, the debt, the fat—it was all worth it. I, you know, I—I I have to agree with this. I've got, whatever mistakes this guy made, I've made them in spades. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, I'm not fat, but um, <laughs> I—you know—I I ended up in prison for for nine years. I can make a a, a good—I can say that I made a good example of how, why you shouldn't make these mistakes, but. You know, I don't regret my life either. I regret hurting people. I don't, you know, I wish I hadn't hurt anybody, but I learned things from all the all the stuff that I did. So, yeah. Here we are today. Yep.
0: Very good, everybody. Thanks for being here. It's been Ian here with you. and yeah, Nick. And Mark. Back tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com.